Hey! Hey, we're here! We're here! We made it! We're live! Hooray! <laughs> Congratulations! We did it! Welcome to the Talking Heads, everyone! Episode 272, your once-weekly mm. live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. And I'm Steve. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast yeah. forum over on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, sometimes some Star Trek. Yes. All Super Chats are ran on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you drink along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the early goings, and we'll give some shout-outs as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super-secret chat and the even more super-secret after-party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Oh, yeah. And we do hang out over there quite a bit. Yes. Yes, we do. So, uh, got my co-pilot here. Oh, Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a renaming this week. Uh, so okay. he, he came with the name Charlie, Sir Charles, mm -hmm. and we were going to keep Charlie. And then mm -hmm. little bit seems to have a knack for naming things, uh, because she was walking around the house and she goes, where's Chaco? And I said, Chaco. And I said, who's Chaco? His name's Charlie. And she goes, no. Chaco, I'm gonna call him Chaco. I said, "Why Chaco?" And she goes, "Because he looks like Chuck, yo." <laughs> I thought it was gonna be named after the late great Chaco Taco. So, but I guess I guess so not. So Chaco you know. it is. Hey, Chaco, there we go. <laughs> it's a good cat's name too. Yeah. So yeah, no longer is Charlie. It's Chaco. It's Chaco. Chaco. Because <laughs> he looks like Chuck, yo. <laughs> I'm like, you can't argue with that. <laughs> I know. That's a good name. Done I mean, and done. So. Of course, you don't, you don't want to argue with your little girl either. It's right, just like, right. no, no, no. His well, name's going to be Charlie well, no matter what. Well, this one is is dad's cat. Um, yeah. Because dad's the only one without a pet in this house. Uh, every other kid has a pet. Uh, oh, Rambo, Rambo wasn't yours. Huh? Rambo was, no, Rambo was Mrs. Uh, that, was, ah. that was her Christmas present uh, in 2019. Um, I drove up to Portland on Christmas Eve to pick up that little bugger. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, no, the dog is my wife's, the tortoise is, is little bits. And I'm like, you know what? I, I haven't had a little <laughs> buddy in a long time. And yeah. so I, I want one that's mine. And so, I, and, and I you didn't even get to name it. You didn't even get to name it. Didn't even get to name it. Right. <laughs> I think El, uh, Chaco's was pretty good. Yeah. Still pretty good. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good name. No, I, I had a, a little dog named Rebel. Uh, who was, uh, he was one of those dogs that was the, the really affectionate kind of stupid. Um, oh, yeah. like not two rocks to rub together to bake a fire, but, but man, was he just a fun dog. And, yeah. uh, he actually had an aneurysm at age six and, and Oh, because he gets so excited just seeing everybody. Uh, right, right. Because yeah. he sees anybody. Ah. Yeah, no. So he had an aneurysm at six years old and, and passed away. And I, I haven't had an animal since then. That, that's like mine mm. so but uh no chaco seems to be uh warming up to me very very well he's sitting on my lap right now and uh i think this is how i'm gonna have to do the show from now on so with the with the cat warmer on your lap huh? yeah and he is warm let me tell you um oh yeah he also 
loves getting under blankets. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, like, uh, that's where he slept with me last night, was he, he got under the blanket, under the heating blanket, and mm -hmm. under, like, the other two layers, and was laying, like, next to my chest. Yes. And even the heating blanket is too much for me at this point, but it's like, holy crap, with the added, you know, 105 that a cat runs at on my yeah. chest. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> That's that's kind of like my son's cat. He got he got a cat and he named it Bat Cat, which you would think would because it rhymes, but it's not because of that. It's because he's got this pattern and on his back it looks like the Batman symbol on his back. <laughs> so he calls him Bat Cat. Bat Cat. And uh just about every morning he will he will wake up, uh pull the blankets from wherever cuz you know, we got like blankets on the couch where we watch TV. Everybody's got blanket couches. Yeah. And uh, I'll take that and he'll make a little fort for the kitty. He'll make a little <laughs> fort for the kitty. And sure enough, that cat will go into his fort and lay down there for a while. Yep. <laughs> He's just like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, this is the reason we got this cat is he is super chill. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were at the Portland Expo Center and there were like, a hundred cats around, 400 people, you know, and all of them making all kinds of noise and whatnot. And all the cats that were up for adoption were like hiding under things and like, get away from me. And he's literally like asleep against the side of the cage. Just <laughs> didn't care. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Couldn't care less. And, <laughs> like, I want that one. I'm like, he's cool. He's chill. I yeah, like him. Yeah, I like him. And he's like the Fonzie of kitties right there. It's right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's just whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> pet me don't pet me i don't care yeah <laughs> yeah um all right we do have a couple super chats tech geek chiming yeah. in with 50 dollars. evening gents got wednesday off now for a while so hopefully i'll be able to catch the show again sweet nice back. that is awesome that is always awesome that is fantastic uh, a couple evening fellas. Uh, let's see. Michael S. has a Madfrey Brewing Phantom Forest Juicy Imperial IPA at 8%. 3.9 uh, on Untapped. That's I, it. I, I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. Sounds great. Uh, William's got a Dragon's Milk tonight. Fan Always favorite. good. Uh, yep. Tech Guy is drinking a Hessian Revelry from Middle Coast Brewing Company. Hmm. I never heard of Middle Coast. Yeah. That one's news to me as well. Yeah. Uh, Novella Hub, Bald Man Brewing, Juice Box Hero, Double Dry, double dry <laughs> Hot Daisy Pale. Juice point. Box Hero. I love yeah. that name, by the way. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> Only uh, 3.0 is still pretty decent. Does, that's pretty decent. Does it have a label like a Capri Sun? Or, or that would like be awesome. A, yeah. Like a Kool-Aid, you know, blast or something? Like, that would be cool. They had they had a lot a trend of that for a while where they would have like uh, cans beer cans that kind of like resembled Sunkissed or or a Hawaiian Punch yeah. kind of looked like the label but it was like named the beer I, I remember seeing those things all over the place for for I think it was pretty trendy a couple of years ago uh, we got a twenty kroner uh, super chat from uh, Wy uh, Weirenfeld felt felt. Uh, <laughs> what are your opinions on Galaxy Quest? Second best Star Trek movie behind Star Trek 4. <laughs> yes, Galaxy Quest is great. Yeah. Alan Rickman, 
Alan Rickman was the best in that thing. Alan honestly. Rickman, Justin Long was was yeah. fantastic. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Justin uh, Long was in, it was it was a great yeah. Cast. Uh, t- Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, yeah. like oh hell yeah. <laughs> they should have done a second one. They should have done a second one. They that really should have. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. By Grapthaw's Hammer. <laughs> what a savings. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Alan Rickman was superb in that. Of role. course. Yes, he was absolutely <laughs> he is in everything, but especially. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good, so good. Uh, Jeff is slowly turning into Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget. Uh, yep, yep. You got you got to get the cat the spiky collar. Yeah, got got to get yeah. him the spiky collar. Um, we'll we'll probably end up doing an intro scene to a craft video at some point where. Uh, yeah. I'm yelling at the screen and I'm petting, petting him with my mechanical <laughs> hand. Like, I'm sure that'll happen. I'll get you next time, Gadget. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get you next time, Gadget. Oh, that's good. That's next really good. <laughs> my kids that's love good. it when I read stories. <laughs> that's good. That's really good. All right. Let's go ahead and get this show officially started. Uh, Steve, what do you got mm. for beverages tonight? Ah, beers for today. I have um, I have one from Brewdog, which everybody knows and loves, I guess. Yep. <laughs> this one's called uh, Fellowship IPA, which is a Lord of the Rings themed beer. So it's one one beer to rule them all. It is a IPA that is a, it's a hazy uh, 5.0. I've never had this one before, so we shall see how this one goes. Nice. Next one I have from, oh, who makes this one? Uh, KCBC. Which oh, is, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's the Kansas Kings, City. Kings County, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, KCBC, that's a collab. Yeah, um, KCBC. This is, uh, oh, hold on. Oh, oh. Here we go. Computer phone. Computer phone, nice. Computer phone IPA. Which I don't know what this is rated either. And then if if we're still here drinking and there's still time, my third and emergency beer is from Beer Valley. It's called Scottish Life. Scottish Life. Yeah, it's a uh, Scotch Ale, yeah. as you would imagine. And we'll see. Because sometimes Scotch Ale's absolutely delicious. Sometimes they're overly hopped, but we'll see. Yeah. No, I, I love a good Scotch Ale and I detest mm-hmm. a bad one. Yes. <laughs> There's almost no in between. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Andrew sends over five bucks. Thank you very much. Uh, standalone quick sync streaming box versus dropping a quadro into an Ivy Bridge storage server and running Plex as a service. A2000s are getting cheap. A2000s are getting cheap. Um, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I think one of the overlooked streaming uh, systems is probably the Intel Arc A380 with H.265 and AV1 built in. So as soon as your uh, streaming boxes start supporting AV1, 140 bucks. How can you go wrong with that? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you have a server that has quick sync, I think throwing NVENC at it is a little redundant. Um, but, uh, I mean, quadros are always an option, especially, uh, you know, there's some fan favorites like the P400, P620, um, you know, the P2000 is another very common one for higher end streams. Uh, 
you know, the Tesla P4 actually has dual NVENC encoders now, and you can get that for under a hundred bucks and then 3D print yourself a little 40 mil fan shroud and install that into any desktop. Uh, the P4 is probably my favorite value on the market right now. Um, and kind of along those same lines, Janos says, Craft, uh, are Tesla P100s worth the money? That's actually on my list to find out very shortly. I bought one a little while ago, and I just haven't had a chance to sit down and start actually testing it yet. Um, it's definitely an intriguing card. As uh, For those who don't know, the P100 is basically a GTX 1080 die, but it has 16 gigs of HBM2, which is much more memory bandwidth than GDDR5 or GDDR5X. Um, so, and you can get them for like under $200 now. Uh, so the P100 is definitely a uh, kind of a wild card as far as like, it could be as good or better than a 1080. It could be worse because of TDP limits or or artificial limits on on cooling and things like that. So, yeah. Uh, hopefully you'll see a P100 on display within the next couple of weeks. Uh, Plex has not officially announced ARC support. Will be awesome when they do. You can't beat the value of QuickSync video, though, uh, through any Intel product, uh, processor for Plex. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. If you already have the processor, throwing a Quadro at it's kind of redundant. Um, you know, unless you're looking to get, um, uh, you know, higher end encoding or more encode streams or something like that. But most home users aren't, so. No. Uh, Vince says finding an A380 is impossible, though. Yes, it is. Uh, I had to wait like two months for mine. And and after it arrived, I forgot what I was buying it for. So it's still sitting on my <laughs> shelf. You're like, I, gotta, I like that it's here, but I have no idea what for. You're like, hey, look what came in. What are you using Wonderful. that for? Wonderful. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I figure I might as well open my beers, or at least one of them. Um, oh, yeah. Well, what 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 all of them did you have? Uh, so I've actually got two Cruxes. Oh, Crux. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, Cruxes are awesome. So I've got uh, a straight up IPA, uh, more of a fruited IPA, and then I've got mm -hmm. an Imperial IPA. So. Okay. I bought this one just for the can art because I freaking love that. Oh yeah, that's great. Retro future, you know, mm -hmm. neon arcade kind of thing. Uh, so this is mm -hmm. the Crux Future Forward Northwest IPA. Um, it is six and a half percent, and this one's supposed to be multi with uh, notes of bright stone fruit, citrus, and distinctively piney darkness. Piney darkness. Huh? Yeah, piney <laughs> darkness with malted rye. So. That's 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 like if Batman was a brewer. It's piney darkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I've got a Crux Half Hitch uh, Imperial IPA. Oh, Half Hitch is good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, nine point five percent. A little bit of a heavy hitter here. Um, and this one is kind of their Imperial Triple. Uh, it's uh, uh, gosh. I know it's like mango and and guava and and things like that. Like it's mm -hmm. it's a very fruit forward hop hop yeah. beer. Uh, but oh yeah, they're both good. I've had them both before, but uh, I'm like, you know what? T tonight's an IPA night. <laughs> yeah, they're they're getting really good with those fruited hops. I had yeah. I had one over the weekend during Super Bowl. 
where it was all New Zealand hops. Mm -hmm. And I swear it was mostly pineapple juice. It tasted like, I swear it tasted like pineapple juice. It was so good. <laughs> but it was all just a, a, an amalgam of different uh, uh, New Zealand hops. And it was really, really good. Very nice. So I think I'm going to start with the future forward. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the, uh, the one IPA to rule them all the fellowship IPA. Yes. Um, we'll see how this one goes. I'll see if it tastes kind of gimly. It, it does it taste a little gamely or will it have you <laughs> have you pining for more door? It's gonna it's it's gonna make me stand up and dance like I don't have any legs or Lego lists. Like no, that was a bad one. <laughs> uh should have gone with the Eagles pun, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa. No. All right. Okay. Quite foamy. Quite foamy. Yes. Uh, yeah, mine's actually right. a little little up there as well. So. Yeah. All right. It's not that bad. Cool, At least cool. the foam isn't that bad. Yeah. All right. On to the news. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one, I love the timing on this announcement because whoever loved Internet Explorer? Uh, no well... <laughs> I think at first old people loved it because they're like, oh, I'm on the internet now. Cause like that's their first experience to internet because it was the browser that was there. Yeah. But not even, that the experience was ever good, but even but in the them. old days you had better hmm. browsers, you had oh, yeah, 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 yeah. opera and things like oh. that. It was internet Explorer edged them out of the market and then yes. created the monopoly right. and they were never loved. <laughs> I was just to say, like by professionals, they were never loved. <laughs> by by the old people who used it to play their solitaire or or just go onto Facebook, and that was their only option, and it it became synonymous to them with what the internet was. Totally, I'm sure they loved it. Totally, because that's what they thought it was. Uh, AOL. But, uh, someone brings up, yeah, uh, yeah, nice hash <laughs> says uh, AOL. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there were so many other browsers. Yeah. Um, no one picked Internet Explorer, and no, that's what the it lawsuit just came was with about. it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think at the time it came out, most people were just using Netscape, Netscape Navigator. I right, think was the right. was the was the dominant one at the time. Yeah. Um, so this one is an interesting story because in an update that Microsoft is pushing out to. Uh, their most up-to-date machines, that is uh, your 2010 23H1 uh, and Windows 11 23H1 updates, uh, they are uninstalling Internet Explorer. Yeah, they're literally taking it off your PC. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, we don't want that on there anymore. We don't want you to have it on there anymore. We don't want any resemblance of this ever being existed right. by Microsoft. We're going to wipe it off the face of this earth. Right. Um, and there's a little bit of a double-edged sword, uh, with that. And, and Vince kind of beat me to my own point here. Uh, the forced removal of software is never a great thing because no. if the software exists, there's a use case for it still. And sometimes it's, it's something that literally cannot be upgraded. Sometimes yeah. it is, um, a network switch that has a proprietary Java interface that needs the ActiveX extension to access the yeah. admin console. Like, 
think of the hundreds of network oh, yeah. appliances that are out there. I I do remember that that Internet Explorer did have some uh, extension. It wasn't extensions, but um, well, ActiveX was a big thing, right? Because ActiveX came out around the same time, and then almost immediately after ActiveX came out, people were finding ways of exploiting it, and then now they're trying to like backpedal on it, right? But they're there at the time because of its convenience and how easy it was to create ActiveX controls and ActiveX implementation into your browser mm -hmm. that a lot of uh, companies homebrewed their own stuff. And they're like, well, we don't care as long as it's internal. Right. Like this is our internet and they'll develop applications around that. Yeah. And then, well, it only works with Internet Explorer now. And so they can't, they can't remove I've, it until I've, they, until they develop something new. I've had to work with, banking applications that required oh, yeah. ActiveX plugins for mm -hmm. printing payroll checks mm -hmm. uh, because they had to verify that you were on your machine. So they used one of the most insecure verification methods yeah. possible <laughs> to verify that yeah. you wanted to print checks on checks that you had to already have on hand. Like you right. couldn't just like you couldn't just like intercept the data and then print them from elsewhere. It's like, no, we're right. printing the the who this goes to onto physical checks that go through yeah. a, a printer with micro with microtoner and and things like that like there's a whole process least of which is worrying about whether our payroll person is sitting at her computer yeah <laughs> yeah no i i know we had we had some old uh where i work we had some old applications that required internet explorer but they do not anymore we have since upgraded out of that thing but there yeah. are because it, it was it was one of our um, it was one of our hosted solutions, but it was also an on-premises solution, so we can give it out to customers and they can install it and mm -hmm. do whatever they want with it. And I think we still have some that are on the old version that actually require Internet Explorer. So this could potentially affect a lot of people. Right. Yeah. That is if they still use still using something modern because I think this is only on Windows 10 and above. So we're talking 10 and 11. I don't think because they don't really support maybe maybe eight i think they stopped support for eight and 8.1 correct so this is only a push for anybody that's got internet explorer installed on windows 10 and windows 11. correct yeah um yeah the upside is virtualizing windows has really never been easier even from inside mm -hmm. of windows there's oh yeah yeah, a yeah, ton yeah. Of different clients to be able oh, to yeah. do that the problem is the the layperson the the average employee who mm -hmm. you know oh the internet is down no your internet explorer shortcut isn't working anymore yeah <laughs> like that person can't wrap their mind around using a virtual machine oh yeah in their workflow uh where mm -hmm. to me it's it's like oh yeah like i've been working with virtual machines for 20 years and yeah it's no big deal. And I understand the concept of virtualized computing and remote computing and, and VDI and all that kind of stuff, but it might as well be, you know, uh, speaking Latin backwards to, to your yeah. payroll specialist uh, about how you need to print checks now because Internet Explorer no longer exists and your bank hasn't <laughs> yeah. updated their security methods. Yeah. Lots of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, the the cost the cost of developing new applications uh, to replace legacy ones is mm -hmm. a huge huge sticking point with a lot of people. It's more or less they would probably spend thousands of dollars trying to make an old system work than spend maybe a little bit slightly more to develop a new system. Right. 
they like, well, it's going to save us a couple grand. Right. So let's do it that way. Well, you also have, you know, executives whose bonuses hinge on, on, you know, gross profit and things like that. And they're mm -hmm. like, how mm -hmm. much did you say to develop an old, a new app? Well, the old one's working. Why yeah, can't we why just are keep we doing, doing it? that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need an internal IT department. And that's, and that's how you get applications that have band-aids on top of band-aids on top of band-aids. And then that the original developer quits and then some little component breaks and then everyone's like pulling their hair out trying to figure out why is this what, what's this written in cobol <laughs> like, and this? this is why steve and john have jobs <laughs> yeah pretty much well me especially specifically yeah. I, there's some old old like not not c plus plus but just old dos c applications that we still support um, it, it's funny you bring up cobol because uh, i don't know if anyone's familiar with the the youtube channel veronica explains um she does COBOL professionally uh, and, and she's done a couple of videos on, on COBOL and, and things as far back as like Commodore and getting a Commodore PC online and things yeah. like, like great channel. Go check out Veronica explains, but, uh, but yeah, you mentioned COBOL and I can't think of COBOL anymore without thinking of Veronica. Veronica okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know her channel. I've seen a couple stuff that she's done. It's pretty mm -hmm. good. It's good stuff. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Windows, Microsoft started pushing out updates today that uh, will go through and uninstall Internet Explorer from Windows entirely. Uh, sunsetting an era that dates all the way back 25 mm. years. Uh, oh, yeah. To, yeah. You know, Windows 95 days. Almost, yeah. almost 30 years Internet Explorer has shipped as standard with, uh, with Windows. So, yeah. Uh, Novella says now... he did COBOL up to two years ago. <laughs> wow. Yep. yep COBOL yep, yep. only in college years ago. Yeah. I think I, I think I still have my COBOL CD somewhere. <laughs> um, apparently, there was a book making the rounds not so long ago. It was. Uh... Uh, Borland's Learn C++ in 21 Days. Um, oh, I, I had that one. I, I had that one. I, I swear that I had that one. <laughs> I bought that book. I might even still have it. Yeah, I don't think I have it. Well, maybe I do. I have I have a whole box full of my old PC tech junk. And I put, you know, manuals and DVDs and CDs and stuff in there. Yeah. It's all up in the attic now. I should probably go check it out. Yeah. So it's still up in no, that that'd be fun to look at C plus plus from twenty years ago. Yeah, to see. Oh gosh, I remember it was. I think I bought. It's nothing. It's nothing like it is now. Yeah. Ninety eight. Yeah. I want to say ninety eight. Yeah, I mean the basics has not changed. Right. Obviously. Right. Uh, syntax and whatnot. You can still do your f prints and everything like that today <laughs> as you did yesterday, but you have so much more, so many better libraries now. Right. Yep. Uh, the one thing I ever did was C++, and it also made me realize I am not a programmer. Um, I just, I cannot get my brain to work in a method that makes it make sense for me. Mm. Um, I'm very linear. I'm very script-oriented. And so, yeah. like, Python, I can do. Uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not an expert, but I can at least right. read Python, know what it's doing. I can follow from A to Z mm -hmm. and go, oh, this is what it's calling, and here's what it's doing. And got it. Cool. Um... Can I write Python? I've I've done like some sixty line programs, sixty or okay. seventy lines, yeah. like you know, get, getting into the weeds a little bit, but nothing, nothing more than a single function. Like that's just all I've ever needed to do. Yeah. Um, back in ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, I 
uh, programmed essentially a uh, uh, text-only game uh, that was oh, yeah? like a randomly generated mind maze, and uh, kind of like a kind of like a Zork where you say go N for north right, or yeah, east, go, yeah, yeah, go, yeah. go N for north and 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 whatnot, and it would randomly uh, assign like traps to some rooms and things like oh, that, cool. or randomly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was so incredibly basic and yeah. pathetic. But that's as far into programming as I ever got, uh, at least as far as like object oriented C yeah. and, and things. Uh, it didn't work. Oh, yeah. No, we, we wrote we wrote. Uh, uh, well, for a while we did until they kind of they kind of caught on us. But we would kind of write games uh, in the programming department way back when just for the fun of it. Yeah. And we'd like all play them on a Friday. And, <laughs> and my my favorite was just basic, simple, but everyone loved it. It was a network game. But it was a um, uh, uh, can you name the movie caption the fastest? That's all it was. It was nice. it was super basic, nice. super basic. But it would be like and and you could and the the person who was running it because there was always the the host, there was mm -hmm. the server, and then there was the clients, and then you can always put the theme of what it's going to be, and then you you uh, supply the screenshots, and yeah. then a timer would come down and it would show up on everybody's screen at once. And then, of course, the server would track whoever got the correct answer first. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it would apply the points accordingly. And that was always fun. And uh, yeah, we played that. We played that quite a bit. And I'd have like, you know, oh, you know, uh, Studio Studio Ghibli theme, which this Studio Ghibli movie or our Japanese anime movie or sci-fi <laughs> themed. And it was it was fun. Nice. Until we like wasted a whole Friday afternoon and they told us to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. So this last weekend, a friend of mine had a birthday party and we went up and and um, usually me and, and my extended family, so brothers and sisters and things mm -hmm. like that, we will do a uh, game night in which we will play mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of tabletop games. And then it usually culminates in playing Cards Against Humanity. And that's how we <laughs> finish out the night. Well... Me and my wife own Cards Against Humanity. We have the the bigger blacker box and like mm -hmm. every expansion that we could ever find. And um, but we always do game not at my house. This was at their house, and we forgot the box at home. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, well, you can just play online. I know you can. There's yeah. there's like five or six different services that you can get onto, and it's free. And you start a server, and, mm -hmm. and off you go. All of them were terrible, and it really made uh, me want to pay someone to develop a Cards Against Humanity self-hosted app. So that's just something you could spin up real quickly. You could spin up real quickly. I, and like, I think here's the problem. If, if you make something that's good and successful, the mm -hmm. people who, who make Cards Against Humanity will probably take issue with it. <laughs> um, Cards Against Humanity gives it away for free. And oh, do they? as long as you don't make money from it... It's, oh, it's I see. Kind so somebody just like it's, gives it for free. Right. It's kind of like a Creative yeah. Commons license. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. I need to read the exact licensure, but um, they're like, yeah, play our game. We sell the cards and we make money on the cards. That's totally fine. Uh, yeah. You can even download the cards in PDF form and print them out yourselves oh, yeah. and, and play the game. Like you don't have to give them any money. Um, yeah. and, and I'm not looking to like publish anything to, to the app store, but I'm looking Ooh. like, man, could we develop some kind of extraordinarily simple uh ios or android app or both or web-based client mm -hmm. or whatever um give it an ip address of a server and then have just people join my self-hosted server for cards against humanity like i, I, I wouldn't I think it would be application just for my friends 
I wouldn't think it'd be too hard to do. Right. Um, I mean, because you could just have a database somewhere with all the card phrases, and then you have a nice mm -hmm. CSS front end where it automatically puts the cards on it. You just have to have some kind of back end to track users and, right. and how many players and stuff like that. How, how many players, what's the player selection, who's mm -hmm. the cards are, and and the cards are selects the winner, and then you assign a point yeah. and you move on to the next round. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not rocket science. No, no, no. So, hey, Steve, you want like a hundred bucks to, to make the cards in its humanity app in my dreams? It's a little undercutting it. <laughs> it's not undercutting it by, by quite as much as uh i was as someone tried to undercut me today oh um, really <laughs> oh yeah um i i think i mentioned this on twitter yesterday uh or it, i no i don't think even think i made a twitter post i think i made a mastodon post about this um because i didn't want to get too many people riled up about oh my god he charges so much for pre-roll ads it's like yeah pre-roll ads are expensive yo yeah. uh it's where i make a lot of money from uh mm -hmm. but uh company reached out they're going to remain nameless uh, okay. unless they respond to my most recent email, in which case I'm going to name and shame. Um, <laughs> but uh, they reached out and they said, hey, we have a product that you might be interested in sharing with your audience. And and can we get a, a rate list for for integrations? I said, sure. Here's here's my mm -hmm. normal rate list. Now, to be completely transparent, I usually charge between 650 and 950 for a pre-roll integrated ad. That is an ad that I record in my own voice. I write the script. I do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. If you buy multiples, I'll usually make it funny. Mm -hmm. Like like buying a single ad, you're probably just getting a copy read. If you buy right. like three or four ads, you know what? I can invest a little You'll bit make, more time into this. And, make a little production out of it. And I'll it. Yeah. make a little production. I'll make a Manscaped ad or, you know, a, a Linode ad or whatever else. And uh, and it'll it'll make it humorous and you'll get your money's worth. And uh, because of the production value, I feel like I can charge a, a decent amount. And uh, so they responded and they said, hey, thanks for sending over this list, but uh, we have a budget of $100. Do you think you could work with us? And we responded and said, no, our, our prices are quite firm. We have no problem filling, filling spots. So thank mm -hmm. you for your interest, but we're going to have to pass. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and they said, well, you know, our, our, our budget is based on your channel's performance. And what we're seeing is that for the size of your channel, you really are like underperforming of what we would expect. And, you know, your videos have been really hit or miss in the last month or so. And mm -hmm. basically gaslighting me into telling me my channel sucks and I need them. Oh yeah. 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 I was, I was like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh number one my views are up almost two hundred thousand views in the oh, last yeah. in the last 30 days so come at me bro uh <laughs> number two this is not the way you do business with people yeah you you, you don't you, you you ask them to advertise and then you berate them right they, they... <laughs> well you kind of suck we were looking for a bargain because you kind of suck right right exactly. <laughs> yeah. do i suck or do you want to advertise to my yeah. audience which is yeah. it because it's not both yeah um and uh and and so they're like you know can, can you give us like a one-time discount for like a good faith thing because you know our product is just going to explode in popularity and we'd like to take you along for the like they are trying mm, every yeah, trick yeah. In every the book trick in the book yeah, yeah to yeah. get an integration yeah and uh and we responded and and said no we're we're not interested in working with you uh 
you know, the, the gap between 100 and 950 is mm -hmm. too far for you to cross. It, oh yeah. I know how this ends. It's not going to end well. You haven't even paid for this email conversation. I guarantee I'm never going to get paid. So thank you for your time, yeah. but you know, see you later. Kind of <laughs> f off. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in the most professional way possible. Um, yeah. they came back at us again and said, "Okay, fine. Well, $200, but you've got to guarantee X, Y, and Z." Like they're adding a whole bunch of, of stipulations. It's like, "Oh my gosh." Then they pile it on, yeah. And, and it's like, "Bro, do you even know who like I know I'm not the biggest fish in the pond, but I am like a top 50 tech creator and 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 will not and $200 does not get it done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is it artesian builds? <laughs> artesian builds. Um so today I I sent them an email and I said remove me from your contact list. I don't care mm -hmm. what you offer at this point. I am not working with you because you are a company I would never recommend to my audience. Mm -hmm. Like I'll send anyone a, a rate card and then how you respond to that, like, and my rates can be negotiable. You know, if, yeah. if you say like, hey, can we get started and, and do this and that, and, you know, we'd be happy to sign on for three and can you meet our terms in the middle? Yeah, that's nego that's common business right. practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you don't come in is offer 10% and tell me I'm lucky to get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know what I can get. Yeah. Because I've already gotten it, clearly. I've ran ads in the last 47 of 50 videos. I don't need your money. <laughs> Yeah. We're doing fine. We're doing all right. We're doing fine. <laughs> Kren chimes in with five Aussie bucks. Uh, good afternoon. Nice. Uh, fingers crossed the Australian Air Force doesn't shoot down my high altitude balloon on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, all those uh, well, you know high school science projects are getting a little dicey these yeah, days. Yeah, I know. Those uh, super complex unknown propulsion uh, high school science projects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much fun. I can't wait for someone to get a giant inflatable Pac-Man to go after all the giant inflatable dots. That would just be perfect. Yeah. Mm. How's that beer treating you? Fantastic. Uh, yeah. so, so this again, this is the, uh, the future forward uh northwest ipa seven and a half percent um now i will say i'm not getting some of what they described mm -hmm. on the back and you know how i rate things and i know how you rate things and so we're yeah. going to agree on this um here at crux we believe that the future of the ipa lies in the northwest i agree Sure. Oregon-grown Mackenzie hops lead the way with notes of bright stone fruit, citrus, and distinctively piney darkness, while malted rye and supporting casts of Centennial and Citra hops bring it home with added complexity and a big aroma that declares the future has arrived. Okay? There's okay. a lot of words in that. Yes. What I'm pulling out is Mackenzie-grown hops. So Macken okay. Mackenzie River mm -hmm. Valley-grown yep. uh, hops. Uh, more of the Southern Willamette Valley, if you're from the area. Um, bright stone fruit, citrus, and distinctive piney darkness. I'm getting that. I I'm getting yeah. that Although super I I'm not too star. sure what piney darkness is. Piney I get. Um, 
I think uh, in this case they might mean a little bit more clingy, a little bit thicker, richer, more resinier, more resinier, like right? Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what they're leaning for because that's could be that's what I'm what you're getting. Okay. Um, I'm I'm getting super bright right at the start, and and then it kind of fades very very smoothly into that that resiny oily finish, mm-hmm. um, and I really like it. That it's a it's mm-hmm. a fantastic flavor combo it 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 starts bright and gets really rich and leaves me wanting that brightness again mm-hmm. um and uh and i like it however my problem comes in with the malted rye and supporting calves of centennial and citra hops i'm not getting any of that you got any of those <laughs> yeah because the citrus is where you're really going to get your like right. lemon orange peel grapefruit peel type of flavors right um and it could be that just, you I, know, because those, those McKinsey hops, they're very, that's where you're getting that pininess from. Right. Um, yeah. If I dig into the aroma, I'm getting a little bit of lemon, mm-hmm. um, which, which again, is more the McKenzie flavor, not the, the, the Citra and Centennial. Um, I'm not getting the second half of that paragraph. Like, okay. I'm, I'm not getting malted rye. I'm not getting Citra. I'm not getting Centennial. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a wonderful like I said, bright opening, and then and then I'm getting what they mean by piney darkness, but you should have stopped the description there. Right there. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's usually all you... Because it's such a potent flavor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I can't call this a bad beer, but at the same time, I cannot say it's accurate to what they're trying to describe. Yeah. And and as such, I have a hard time rating it higher than like a 3.5 or maybe a 3.75. Yeah. That being said... I think this is a 375. It's a really good IPA. Yeah. Uh, for mine, I think mine is more but just of a... Tell me what uh, it should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, I know they like to be overly verbose with their descriptions mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and they try to put as much tasting notes in there, but uh, I think a lot of times it's just they're trying to lead you down a path to make you think that those flavors are in there. Right, right. And, and yeah, like, yeah, me and you are on the same page because <laughs> we hate that because they're trying to lead us down a path, but when we drink it, we clearly know it's not there. Yeah, <laughs> we can tell. Yeah. Come on, uh, uh, I know really what Citrus Centennial hops are. You're yes, not fooling yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no. That was yours. What, uh, you started with the Lord of the Rings, right? Right. Uh, and the Fellowship have, of the IPA. Yes, they don't really have the listing of the hops on this one, but I would categorize this more as a uh, Gandalf the Gray as opposed to a Gandalf the White. Not, not, not. Uh, <laughs> Not the best. Uh, it's pretty good. Definitely slightly above middle of the road is what I'd call it. Okay. Um, yeah. Not, not, not the cream. Not yeah. the cream of the Shire, but <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely not the pits of Mount Doom. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the Elvish word for IPA? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Speak beer and enter. <laughs> Speak beer. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, cool. Well, uh, this one came as a bit of a, of a surprise to me, but oh, yeah. um, this may be my final Linode read because oh, really? Linode. Remember, they were purchased by Akami uh, mm-hmm. about six or eight months ago, and uh, uh, Linode, as of today was 
officially dissolved into Akami. Now, they're keeping the service, the, the Linode mm -hmm. services, um, mm -hmm. but they're no longer calling it Linode. That's not even a branch of the company. It's just Akami is offering cloud hosting. But well, I haven't good. gotten any direction, nor a cease and desist for giving the Linode advert. So I reached out for clarification today based mm -hmm. on the announcement that you know, even if you go to Linode.com, it forwards you to Akami.com and says, here's our, here's Akami's cloud hosting options. Mm -hmm. um, I think my, <laughs> I think the ad still stands. I think the offer still stands. Um, and I haven't received any notifications about anything else, but this will probably be the last video with any kind of Linode branding on it. Okay. So well, that's, that's, that's cause I was kind of running out of Linode rhymes anyway. Right. So yeah. with that being said, Today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. <laughs> Hosting your own server also means you get to host all your own problems. And even the most skilled network engineer will tell you, you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes software for most of the tutorials you found on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking, recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex servers, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go. Whether it be virtualized hosting, dedicated enterprise GPUs, NVMe block storage, and more. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed, with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of 2023. Visit Linode.com. May it rest in peace slash craft computing yes. and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's Linode.com slash craft computing. And again, thanks to Akami for sponsoring today's episode. That's right. Go to Linode to store all your C++ code. <laughs> uh, man, if only I had a backup of my text adventure game. Yeah, that's right. You could keep it on Linode. Well, mm -hmm. it's Konami now. Mm-hmm. I'll have to think of things that rhyme with Konami. Akami. Um, oh, oh, Akami. Oh, that's no, still that's yours. Oh, Akami. Akami. Okay. Right. So let's see. Uh, yeah. No, Konami. Someone completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Akami. <laughs> it's uh, uh, better than slices of salami. There you go. Can always count on you to bring it home. <laughs> Although I do like a good salami, though. That's going to be hard to beat. It really is. Now I'm kind of hungry oh, and and mad at you. <laughs> All at the same time. <laughs> uh, Hyundai and Kia have been forced to update software on millions of vehicles because of a viral TikTok challenge. Let me say that yeah. again. Uh, <laughs> the, the Korean uh, car brand has been forced to upgrade software on millions of vehicles over a TikTok challenge. Um, apparently 8 million vehicles are eligible for free anti-theft software upgrades after the so-called Kia challenge on social media resulted in thousands of car thefts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine just like, not, not necessarily, you know, Hey, it's a slight defect. Your brakes might go out. We have to do a recall. It's like, uh, no, thousands of our cars are getting stolen now. Uh, we need to do something about that. Yeah. Um, so prior to... This article coming out, I was unaware of this TikTok trend, um, but apparently it's been called the Kia Challenge and been going on since 2015. Um, so Kia and Hyundai vehicles both lack 
electronic immobilizers that prevent theft and can simply be turned on with a key. Uh, now, as a lot of you know, a lot of vehicles starting right around like 2005 started coming with uh, NFC or, or HID yeah, style chip. tags, yeah. mm -hmm. chips in the key, so chipped keys that would essentially handshake and allow the ignition to fire and allow the car to keep running. Uh, well, Kia and Hyundai have not implemented that into their packages. So uh, by simply uh, basically turning the key or how, how did, exactly did this challenge no, actually, work? Okay, so from what I understood from, from this article, and, and to be fair, I did not really read it super, super in depth, but it really is the theft alarm software logic where basically um i think if the the logic is is if it doesn't uh uh even if it doesn't recognize the signal or doesn't hand like because there's a handshake that goes on right and if mm -hmm. it, it still will turn on uh through this hack that they're doing um but the alarm will turn off regardless okay Gotcha. Uh, so this this update is supposed to leave the alarm going. So it's not preventing them right. still from doing it, but the alarm will go on longer, from my understanding. But um, it's okay. Uh, someone chimed in, and I just uh, again, I I had I had not read this particular article prior to the video starting. Uh, mm -hmm. The thieves known as the Kia Boys would. Uh, post instructional videos about how to bypass a vehicle's security system using tools as simple as a USB cable. Not a module, not a, not a, you know, FPGA or anything uh. like that. Literally a shorted out USB cable, uh, which would disable the alarm and allow you to bypass the key mechanism. Uh so the software upgrade modifies certain vehicle control modules on Hyundai's vehicles equipped with a standard key, uh, turn key to start ignition system, not the push button ignition, which does have an NFC and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, as a result, locking the doors with the key fob will set the factory alarm and activate an ignition kill switch feature. So vehicles cannot be started when subjected to the popularized theft mode. Okay, so it does kill the ignition, but it right. also like sets the alarm off. So, okay, that's what I was thinking Right about the alarm part. Yeah. Uh, 3.8 million Hyundais and 4.5 million Kias are eligible for the software update free of charge. Uh, and, uh, yeah, starting this week, if you have a 2017 through 2020 Elantra, a 15 through 19 Sonata, a 20 through 21 Venue, uh, are all eligible for the update and they are pushing out new models, uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, with the Kona, the Palisade, and the Santa Fe being mm -hmm. next to be serviced in June. Yeah, yep. that's a bit of a flub. Yep, a little bit. Yep. Um... <laughs> Boy. <laughs> I know, I was kind of amazed that it was just with a USB. Not, not, like, not like a dongle. Yeah. But with just the cable. They can do it with the cable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen these videos before because number one, if there's any car in the world that I would steal, like Kia would be on the bottom of my list. <laughs> you know, but... I've talked about um, in manufacturing before. We've, mm -hmm. we've gotten into talks about uh, quality and, and whatnot of, of certain parts. I 
I think there is still a stigma that exists against Kia and Hyundai for what they did in the late 90s and early 2000s, and that was mm -hmm. making cars so cheap they literally had to give them away for free. Oh, uh, yeah. They were pretty bad is, quality. That is the buy an Optima and get a Kia Rio for free. Be, mm -hmm. Buy a Sedona and get a Kia Rio for free. Like, they were giving you an $8,000 car because they couldn't sell them. Uh, right. And uh, was the car crap? You better believe that. Oh, car yeah. They were. Oh, Holy yeah, yeah, yeah. God, those things were horrible. Um, but it was really the best that they could do at that time. Now, the thing is, if you, if anyone has ever worked in manufacturing, um, you know that you have tolerances that you have to hit for certain, you know, certain fitments, certain parts have to be within, you know, so many thousandths of an inch, so many tens of thousandths of an inch and whatnot. So your interference fit and your, uh, if, if you're doing engines and, and you know, you got to make sure the head gaskets will seal and you got to make sure the pistons will, will run smoothly and you got to make sure this and that will, will all work. Um, manufacturing techniques and technologies have come so far in the last 20 years that we can make things cheaper than we've ever made them before uh, when it comes to interference fit based uh, equipment. Look at, look at equipment like an iPhone where oh, yeah. on, on a uh, electron microscope level, they will measure the surface finish of an iPhone and made it to a screen that has a similar tolerance in it to mm -hmm. get you a better quality product. And, you know, they boast about that, but it really is a thing that they do. Um, and it's why the iPhones fit and finish out of the box are really bar none. That same level of manufacturing prowess and precision has also made its way into other industries, namely the auto industry. Um, think about, uh, I think about this all the time, about the Hyundai Tiberian that I test drove in like 2006. And this was like a 2004 Tiberian. And what a steaming pile of dog crap that car was. Oh yeah. For for being a car <laughs> with like 28,000 miles. Um the steering was loose and unresponsive. The transmission, it was an automatic transmission and it shifted like a like literally like a rock tumbler. Um it, are are you or you think of the Tiburon? Tiburon. Tiburon. Yeah, Tiburon. Tiburon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I looked at I looked However at that. You too. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Tiburon. It yeah. Tiburon means shark. Mm. Okay. Uh yes. <laughs> That uh, um, yes, because I I test drove one of those too, because uh, I considered buying one way back when. One and of the I, worst cars worse, I have yes. ever sat behind. The oh wheel. yeah, it was real. I mean, it is sleek looking from the outside. Right, it it, it looks sharp, and and it was competing in a world where, um, you know, the Civic was coming out with their their new. Uh, their new body shape. You had mm -hmm. cars like the Mazda 3 and the Mazda 6 that were starting to turn heads. You had uh, some of the old standards from like the the second generation Neon and things like that. You mm -hmm. know, even the Americans were getting into like the looking sleek and whatnot at that time. Mm -hmm. And then you had, you know, this supposed two-door sports car from Hyundai and you go, maybe I'll give that a look. Holy crap, that thing was yeah. a pile of trash. No, it was not great. You could, as soon as you sat in the thing, just looking at the interior felt cheap. It did. Every, it, yeah, every it felt aspect really bad. of that car felt cheap and horribly thrown together and, and, and whatnot. 15 years later, it's not the same story. 
And it's because okay. manufacturing has gotten so much better and the tolerances are so tighter. And not only the, the engineering, but the actual manufacturer process and assembly process has gotten so much more refined and is mm -hmm. so much more accessible to companies that may not have billions of dollars to spend on, on research and development, but now have, you know, a hundred million to, to develop a car. Yes, it's still a cheaper car, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think you're getting yeah. a way better product than you did back in 2004. Um, and the entire automotive industry, as far as longevity of vehicles is showing that with the exception of Tesla, as far as uh, initial quality, um, but uh, yeah, I, Hyundai and Kia are not the same car company that they were 15 years ago. Hmm. Um, and uh, now, don't buy a car from Kia or Hyundai 15 years ago if you still find one running. They're not going to yeah. run much longer. Uh, yeah. But like, give me a 2019 Kia Stinger, and I'm a pretty happy guy. Uh, you know, give me give me a modern. I can't believe I'm saying this. Veloster. Uh, it's not a terrible car. I yeah to be fair I have not driven any recent mm -hmm. Kias or Hyundais. Um yeah. I, I was I was so soured on the past from 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 test driving them and and looking at them. And if you I look haven't at, at the modern recently. EVs, holy crap they're great. Are they really? Yeah. Yeah, the 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 Ionic 6 uh mm -hmm. the uh Kia has I forget the name of, I think it's their EV5. Uh, it, it's basically an electrified sportage. Um, mm. But they are both incredibly well-polished vehicles. Mm. Um, and uh, and they're turning a lot of heads. Uh, I mean, they have my attention, <laughs> to say the least. Um, well, it's, it's going to be soon that I'm going to be in the market for a new car. So, yeah. But I don't, yeah. Yeah, see. I think I'm trying to hold out a couple more years. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, I bought a uh, a Ram 1500 this last year because I needed a truck. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still have my 350Z. And in fact, I yeah. still have our old family car as well. I have uh, our uh, 2008 Mazda CX-9. Um, so I've, I've got a pretty decent little fleet of vehicles. Uh, you know, if you ever, if ever you wanted a three car garage, I have the three car garage. I've got the Mazda <laughs> CX-9 all wheel drive, uh, you know, family cruiser, seven passenger oh, family truckster. I, I've, I've got my Ram 1500 5.7 Hemi, and then I've got my 350Z convertible and you want my three car garage. That's my three car garage. Um, yeah. But we've also now got a Toyota Sienna hybrid. We, we bought a 2021 uh, Sienna. Love that freaking van. Uh, I've, mm -hmm. I've never been a van person. Holy crap, that van is amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at, too, because we're looking at getting getting a van. Yeah. Not that I want a van, but it's, it's kind of a necessity right now. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, the, the Sienna, amazing car. Uh, and we got it at MSRP in the middle of like the automotive wasteland. So mm. like, mm -hmm. I, I think even better of it now. Um, but, uh, in the next couple of years, I think I'm going to try to go full EV truck. I think I'm going to trade in my fleet of vehicles, my, my three other cars that I own. And I think I'm going to get truck. maybe, maybe one yeah. of the Dodge EVs that they're coming out with mm -hmm. the EV 1500. Um, uh, I've, I've looked at Chevy's up and coming Silverado EV, uh, mm -hmm. the lightning has my attention. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, at the moment I'm, I only have a payment on the, on the minivan and I'm really right. happy about that. 
Well, whatever you look at, make sure that it cannot be uh, hacked by just a USB cable. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure that you can't bridge. <laughs> make the sure power you can't do that. USB cable and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, couple more stories. Uh, we've got some beer news to get to. Uh, mm-hmm. So supposedly in Iraq, they have archaeologists have uncovered the remains of a supposed five thousand year old tavern. Hmm. And in that tavern, uh, not only did they find, you know, a ancient, what they would consider a refrigerator, right. which, no, of course, it wasn't a refrigerator, but it's where they would store things. Right. How did they uh, know cold it was storage. a tavern? Because it had underground cold storage and ancient beer recipes. <laughs> exactly. Ancient beer recipes were in there. Um, now, of course, their beer recipe probably isn't going to have anything close to what the beer recipes we have now because they didn't start adding hops in beer until what the 16th 17th century i can't remember what it was it was from that time yeah something like that um, it wasn't it wasn't until they started shipping beer and, and using the properties of hops uh, well, because hop, hops is a hops preservative were added earlier than that but we got the ipa because they were over hopping the beer so they would survive the journey they would survive from the, the, great britain to india um yeah. but yeah no hops had been in beers i believe as, as far back as like the 800s or you know eighth yeah. or ninth yeah, century yeah. or something like yeah, that yeah. but became much more of a base ingredient as of like right. the 16th and 1700s um when britain conquistadors were at, were at their peak um yeah. but britain, uh, give me spanish conquistadors i said what i said Brit- Brit- <laughs> i think it's what is it what is it yeah, i only know the I, spaniards getting their first and then britain kicking their asses so i only, I only know british conquistadors <laughs> i only know the elite the uh, uh, army unit of whatever nation because of uh uh, Age of Empires too. Yeah, right. <laughs> what was it? It's a long, long bowman. That's right. The British long bowman. Yes. The AOE too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was the Spanish had the conquistador. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, the Spaniards may have gotten there first, but Britain owned half the world at one point. Yes, so. they did. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was the British IPA, the the mm-hmm. India Pale Ale that popularized and cemented in the use of hops as a beer ingredient. Um, but beer, oldest known recipe, and this kind of goes along yeah. with that, that uh, a 5,000 year old tavern in Iraq had beer recipes written down on a yeah. slab. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they did, as far as I know, the article didn't really say what the ingredients were. They did. Uh, not. but it, no, they did yeah. not. And, and, um, it would be interesting to know what it is because there is, I mean, for people who are interested uh, there are a few uh, beer makers out there that do replicate ancient beer recipes. And I think Dogfish Head, uh, if you can find it out there, there's Midas Touch, mm-hmm. um, which is not a 5,000-year-old. Like it's a 2,700-year-old it's recipe. But I think that's a, I think it's a Babylonian recipe, if I remember right. Because, you know, it's Midas Touch. King, King Midas is Babylon. Right, right. Um, but, yeah... I, that you can seek out and it's 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 an interesting beer because they used less hops at, at, at times they didn't use any hops but they used more herbs so it was more closer to like a gin or something like that right. where they had like a lot of herb effervescence in there but it was in a malted beverage yeah correct so yeah. they they would grow and use molten grain in a lot of old timey beers and then they yeah. would they would further flavor it with 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of times it was just what they can find around the mm -hmm. area. So uh, you would go from one place to another place to another place, and they would all probably have ales mm -hmm. of some kind, uh, but they would taste slightly different because, you know, one place maybe had nettles or, or juniper or whatever they would put in there to flavor their beer. And so it's, some of them tasted different than others because of just where it was. And a lot of times the yeast, too. They didn't really know how the fermentation process worked. They just know that if they let it sit for a while, that something happened. And so uh, almost everything was like a farmhouse ale. They didn't know how to cultivate yeast. So it was just the flavor of the area, the flavor of the countryside. You know, the, the ales made next to a goat farm tasted different than the ales next to a, you know, cow farm. <laughs> As just like the bacteria in the air was completely different. Um and that's that's where you get like uh, and then after a while they figured out how to do it and that's where you got your your belgians and stuff like that where you have a distinct flavor because they all came from a particular area and they learned how to reuse the yeast and everything like that right right yeah so yeah there wasn't there wasn't really any distillation back in those days mm -hmm. at, at least when it comes to alcohol they did distill down oils and 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 things like that mm -hmm. but for alcohol it was let's go through it because we need yes. the alcohol, not necessarily. It, yeah, and it, it, yeah, it didn't. They didn't have good storage either. Right, it, it spoiled quickly, so they had to drink it quick. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, a lot of your earlier alcohols were were ale based. They were very yeah. quickly fermenting um, uh, recipes. Uh, there were a lot of meads out there. There were a lot of mm -hmm. what we would consider ales and, and ales yeah. and beers and things like that. Uh, where you would use malt and yeast as your mm. as your fermenting agents and then flavor it with readily available supply of whatever else went in it and tasted right. good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and cider was another one that, that was pretty prevalent because it's just like... Right. It was something that was, hey, apples are pretty prevalent around here. Yep. Um, they did They did do a... Uh, and I think John had a video kind of similar to this um, where they would use... Because they, they didn't have the distillation process, but they would they would kind of up the ABV on it through uh, winter because they would put the barrels outside yep. where the outside would freeze and the inside, which is alcohol, which has a uh, much you know lower freezing temperature, would, would stay liquid. Yep. And so they would crack these barrels open and then the liquid inside would have a higher ABV. Um, but the problem with that through the distillation process, there's the, I think, um, a lot of the ethyl alcohol goes away. But when you do it with the freezing process, it's still there. So what happens is, yes, that, that stuff will get you drunk, but you will have the absolute worst hangover in your entire life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they had they had a name for it back then because they used to make the Applejack, right? They used mm -hmm. to make it, and uh, they called it Apple Palsy. Because <laughs> she would just be like, I cannot, like the next morning is like, I can't move. I can't, I'm not doing anything I, I, I've today. never heard that term before, but, but it's I called do know Apple what Apple Jack is. I do know what freeze distillation is. I, <laughs> I'm aware of that. Yeah, all the whole process. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm opening my second beer of the night. Again, mm -hmm. from Crux, we've Me got too. the Half Hitch Imperial IPA, 9.5%. Uh, hops climb up twine that's just loosely tied to the trellis with a half hitch knot. And this Imperial IPA is just loosely tied to tradition. 
The mosaic hop imparts surprisingly floral aroma instead of the more expected grapefruity notes. On the palate, complex layers of flavors might remind you of guava, mango, stone fruit, and lemon, unraveling your ideas of what an imperial IPA should be. Oh, wow. Yeah, mine, uh, I'm going to be doing the uh, computer phone. Yes. And this one actually does have the hops listed on it. It's got uh, Mosaic, Amarillo, uh, Hallerto, uh, Hallerto Blanc, actually, which is, those are good. They're, they kind of taste like white white grapes. Yeah. A bit. Uh, and uh, Bavaria hops. So we'll give this one a shot, see how it goes. Excellent. It's got, it's got, it's got some, some, you know, newer ones with like more European hops. We do have a super chat. Mike chiming in with 10 Canadian ruples. Uh, hey, Jeff, oh. thanks for your honest review of the Beauregard Old Fashioned Stout. I hope you find the Amaretto Truffle one less bitter. Uh, P.S. I'll be passing by Treehouse in mid-March. You want anything? Those are dangerous, dangerous yeah. words. Treehouse is a little more difficult to get out here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know that a lot of people have compared Treehouse to our... Uh, great, great Notion. Notion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I would I would be highly interested to see the comparison there. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a couple people who uh, I know uh, John John Jay uh, mm -hmm. uh, also frequents Treehouse uh, quite a bit. Um, so I mean, if you're offering, absolutely. Like, oh yeah, you know my palate is pretty much wide open as long as there's no pickles involved. So uh, <laughs> if you find so get anything, all the pickle beers, you find. If you find anything you think I would like. Absolutely, I will. Uh, I would love to review them here on the channel. Uh, so I got I got something for Christmas that I have not tried yet, but it's not beer. It's uh, the Flaming Cheeto Mountain Dew flavored soda, which I was going to because I, I uh, uh, John was supposed to come over for the Super Bowl, but he got tied up, didn't get to make it. Yeah, but if he came over, we were going to try try mixing it with something because he got me the pickle whiskey, right? As a joke for Christmas. So I was going to make him drink the pickle whiskey with the, <laughs> the flaming Cheeto Mountain Dew just uh, as revenge. But he didn't come by, so we didn't open it up. <laughs> so next time he comes by, I'm going to make him drink that. Excellent. Get it on tape because I want to see it. That'll be good. Uh, speaking of rare whiskeys. Oh, yes. Um, a little bit of a local... Uh, controversy and scandal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, local but still interesting. Yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, we've talked about it before on the show, but for mm -hmm. those who don't know, Oregon, as as liberal and open as a lot of our alcohol and other rules and laws are, um, we are still a state-run liquor mm -hmm. uh, state. Um, so the state government controls the flow of all liquor. Uh, any spirit, any distilled spirit, and anything mm -hmm. above an ABV of 19.9. Mm -hmm. um, and so if if you're distilled or if you're above that ABV, you have to go through the state's liquor commission, which in, in mm -hmm. our state is the OLCC, uh, Oregon Liquor Control Commission. Um, and you have to you have to purchase those things from a state-operated store. Uh, there's no private businesses, organizations that mm -hmm. are allowed to sell distilled spirits or anything above 20%. Um, Correct. Now, this may come as a shock to you, but when you, uh, 
are the sole person in charge of uh, distributing said liquor among all of your state liquor stores, maybe sometimes they go missing and the director of the OLCC mm. adds them to his private stash and sells them uh. to third parties for inflated profit. Uh, um, fell out of the back of a truck or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'll take two plantains and a patty, please. <laughs> uh, was kind of what was going on. Uh, so, uh, who Steve Marks, uh, who is the chairman of the OLCC, submitted his letter of resignation on Monday morning mm -hmm. uh, as commissioner to oversee the agency effective 5 p.m. on Wednesday. So yeah. today was his last day. Uh, well, why was today oh, his last day? Wait. Huh? Uh, wait, wait. That, that's that's a good point. I gotta brush up my resume. That sounds like a cush job, man. <laughs> Can I throw my hat in the ring for that? I, mean, I kind of want that job I now. I freaking live in in the state capital. Uh, like... Yes, you do. You do. It's not that far from me either. Right. I mean, I, I don't mind driving. Right. Uh. So. Uh, the governor asked him to resign his position as the executive director of the OLCC effective immediately, uh, because uh, he'd been skimming off the top, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, what exactly happened? Well, I'm going to quote directly from OPB. Uh, Oregon Public Broadcasting. Uh, mm -hmm. Marks came under fire last week when an internal OSCC investigation came to light that revealed his agency's top managers had made a habit of reserving bottles of hard-to-get whiskeys for their own purchase. Uh, for a chance to purchase those same bourbons, members of the public must compete against thousands of other Oregonians in a state-run lottery. So we're talking about things like Blattens, Old old Man Winkle, yeah. uh, Patties, uh, etc., etc. So bottles that normally sell for legit hundreds and even of thousands dollars, yeah. of dollars yeah. um they were reserving for themselves and paying the wholesale prices for uh so not even the the inflated you know retail cost right. of so a bottle of blantons normally go for like three four hundred dollars retail he would pay for them so the olcc wasn't losing money but he'd be paying like 85 bucks yeah <laughs> and then turning around and like Paying the inflated or selling it for the inflated prices, right? Yes. Now, who could have ever known that using <laughs> your position as a public employee to benefit would be a felony? Oh, everyone who's ever held a public <laughs> position with the government in their life or done any business with a public organization, um, yeah, yeah you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> He's going to walk away with a slap on the wrist, but holy oh, crap, yeah. this is embezzlement of the government 101. Oh, yeah. You and, cannot and do this crap. He supposedly had been doing this for years, too. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh, that's that's probably why I've never seen Pappy Van Winkle in a liquor store ever before. It may be, <laughs> because uh, now the OLCC would directly sell to some consumers. You had to... I believe part of the lottery was put down like a 40% deposit proving mm -hmm. that you could purchase these bottles. Um, and then it would just go in a lottery. And as the lottery came around, you would go like, oh, you won this bottle. You want to buy this bottle? Give us the extra 60% for the retail cost and we'll call it good. Um, that's normally how it worked. And you'd have to like apply with your local liquor store and and get your name dropped into a hat well you know 
Marx and his five other deputies <laughs> had been uh, quietly, and as the article says, unethically, uh, unethically I, think, yes. I think that's putting it mildly, had quietly led to a reprimand within the agency earlier this year, public records show. However, the new government's or governor's office had said, uh, that's not enough. You need to step down because, well, what you're doing is frankly illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. Yeah, so uh, Governor Tina Kotek, a uh, new governor here in Oregon, called for wholesale change at the OLCC, requesting that all top-level managers who acknowledged obtaining liquor via preferential treatment lose their jobs. Which I'm fully in support of, because... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> some of those wor bourbons might have been worth it. I don't know. I, yeah. I've had Pappy. I've had... Okay, to be fair, I've had Pappy before. It is good. Uh, it's not, in my opinion, worth the cost. Right. Um, there's definitely some excellent. Do not say that no. about. No, you're you're absolutely right. Like, there there are liquors diminishing returns, is what I always like to say. Right. Uh, um, and it's more more about the bragging rights. It's like I got to try X. Right. right. I've I've had uh, Johnny Walker Blue a number of times. Mm -hmm. I've, um, I've had two. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic whiskey. I, Fantastic I, whiskey. It's yes, a, it's a I agree. great, great scotch. scotch. Yes. Um, would I pay two hundred and thirty dollars for it? No, I can't say that I would. No. Um, and and I'm someone who's spent you know a hundred, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty dollars on bottles of of liquor before. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think I'm on my third box of Jameson eighteen gold. Um, yeah. Because that box is a hundred dollars. Um. And... Yeah, but that that whiskey is still good. I mean, it's like right. Okay, if if is Johnny you're, Walker you're... Blue worth two and a half times yeah. what Jameson eighteen gold is? No, no. It's like it's like yes. Is Johnny the, Walker from the, from Gold the... eighteen worth two and a half times what what Jameson you know black is? Probably also no. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If you get if you get bottom the difference between bottom of the shelf whiskey. And say like, you know, a hot high mid to high end tier whiskey. Yeah, there's a huge difference. Right. But when you're talking from that mid tier to extremely high tier, you're talking that much difference. Yeah. There's not that much, and it's not worth that and extra money. And it's really the the intangibles of it. Yeah. That are or the. Uh, the the cred it, it's the yes the cred, it, it's, yes, the cred. It's, it's the the legacy of what you're purchasing of right. of a rare bottle of Blanton's twenty five or mm -hmm. your 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 pappy or your yeah. um you know go down the list of you know your high end Johnny Walkers and right. and Glenfiddichs and and such mm -hmm. yeah you're you're paying for a lot of the prestige of having right. that bottle it's not because that bottle is so much tastier than anything yeah. else um yeah. same can be said for a lot of bottles of rare wine and champagne and things of course like that. absolutely I mean, the same thing um, yes a, a lot of people don't know this but a lot of wine in the states comes from right here in the willamette valley too oh yeah oh yeah we get a lot of great ones. great hop growing weather is also phenomenal for grapes for grapes yes um, oh yeah yeah, there are more wineries than breweries in my area, and that's saying something. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Yakima Valley's got tons. Yeah, I mean, there's Willamette Valley. There's uh, oh gosh, what's the just west? Willamette Valley. The Willamette Valley Vineyards is probably the biggest. Yeah. No, there's uh, uh, oh, Eola. Yola wines. Yeah, well, they're yep, a yep. huge name in wines, and yeah. uh, e- either as a you know winery themselves or as a provider of grapes for basically every other wine that comes out of Oregon. Oh yeah. Um. So, yeah. Oh, we're talking about Johnny Walker. I'm expecting Tripic to pop in. I'm surprised he hasn't yet. I I I did. I basically <laughs> Beetlejuiced him. So yeah, yeah. He said it three times, so he's mm-hmm. got to be here pretty soon. Yeah. Four Roses fan here. Four Roses is fantastic. Four Roses um, is fantastic too. Um, yeah, like I, I even find like, you know, some of the some of the cheapest garbage whiskeys, like low end wild turkey, I I don't like. Johnny Walker low end, I don't like. Yeah, but you get some of their their you know single cask barrel aged stuff. Yep. Yeah, they cost like maybe 65 bucks a, a bottle, but they're phenomenally delicious. Way right. better than their base. Right. Uh, their um, base bottle. And you know, I, I'm I'm not a whiskey snob by any means because mm. I, I have, like I said, I have a Jameson 18-year on my shelf yeah. right now. I've got a Glenfiddich 14. I've got a... Uh, I've got a rogue stouted whiskey, uh, cask strength. Uh, that's a hundred dollar bottle. I've got, yes, I think rogue is way overpriced, but that's, it's way overpriced, but it's also their creme de la creme of what they make. Mm -hmm. And it's a good whiskey. Like, uh, is it, I could like their hazelnut whiskey. Not I'd, I'd rather pay 60, $60 for that bottle. But at the same time, I can't complain about what I get. They're they're distilling is really small. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, especially they're re-aged in the stout aged barrels and then bottled mm-hmm. in casks. Oh yeah, that tastes like way that, better. That's yes. what this is. That sounds um, good. So yeah, this is the stouted thunder, which is the rolling mm-hmm. thunder whiskey thunder. aged yeah. in their rolling thunder imperial stout barrels. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, it's good. That's good stuff. Because rolling thunder is really good too. Yes. Uh, so I've got some really, really phenomenal whiskeys on my shelf. Mm-hmm. Um. At the same time, if someone asks me, like, hey, I'm looking at getting into whiskey, what do I go buy? Like, I've got, I've got 30 or $40 for a bottle. Bro, yeah. hold up. Pump your brakes. Uh, go with an Evan Williams bottled and bond. Yeah, that's Figure good stuff. Figure out if you like whiskey first, because that bottle is, like, $13. Yeah. And it'll tell you if you like bourbon. Uh, well, what if I want to get into this? Oh, even better question. Go for a bullet rye because for yeah. $22, you'll figure out if you like rye. And right. yeah, because I, I think there's a distinctive taste between a, a rye whiskey and, and a bourbon. Totally. And, and I, then I like both American of them. And Canadian yes, yes. mixed in there as well with, right. with all different grain bills. I, I personally prefer a rye, but mm-hmm. I, I like a good bourbon too. They're right. both great. And 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 I'm in that same bandwagon. I've got some really, really expensive ryes on the shelf. I've got a Pendleton rye up there, a 12-year Pendleton oh, rye. Yes, Pendleton rye is good. Oh, yeah, so good. Um, but, but yeah, and, and a couple people chiming in, uh, Elijah uh, or uh, Evan Williams White Label, which is their bottled and bond hundred proof, amazing value bourbon mm. for the price. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to step it up and you want to spend twenty five or thirty dollars, go with an Elijah Craig small batch. That's that's probably one of the best oh, yeah. bourbons that you'll ever find, and it's thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Around the scandal of the OLCC basically doing insider trading uh, to acquire rare bottles of whiskey and, and not distributing them to the public like they were sworn to do per their positions. Yes. Um, I will say... No whiskey is worth going to jail over. No whiskey no, is worth losing absolutely. your job over. Um, very few whiskeys are probably worth more than $200 outside of the prestige of having them. And yeah. and even the whiskeys at $100, yeah, you can find a competing whiskey for 60. And any whiskey at 60, you can find a you can find a competing whiskey for 30. And any whiskey at 30, you can find a competing whiskey at 20. And so on and so forth, all the way down mm -hmm. until you hit benchmark eight. And then <laughs> then you use it for cooling your computer. Then you use it for cooling the computer because I will never ingest that crap again. <laughs> but it's Buffalo that... Trace. Yeah. And it's the remains of what didn't. It's the, it's the bottom Trace. of the. It's like it's like it's, it's like what was circling the drain and they kind of like got a trap right. in there and they kind of. I drink Seagram that... 7 and I refuse to drink benchmark number. Seagram 7 is not bad. Seagram 7 is is Seagram uh, 7. I won't drink good... straight. Uh, it's a good mixing whiskey is a, what I was going to say. Yeah, it is a uh, same with uh, uh, Gordon's London Dry Gin. Yeah, I'm not going to sit there and pour myself a glass sip of it, of it and drip yeah. it and, and, and yeah. sip it. But if I am making a cocktail, either small or in bulk, and I need mm -hmm. something that tastes like gin, it's hard yeah. to go wrong for that yeah. price. And if I'm making, you know old fashions for people who have never had old fashions before, but want to figure out if they like old fashions. Seagram seven yeah. is a great whiskey because it's not oh, yeah. offensive in any way, shape or form. No, no. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of how I build all of my house liquors out. So I've, I've obviously got my, my liquor shelf, you know, back here. Uh, can't really see it on camera all that well, but you know, I've, I've got my liquor shelf over here. Um, and that's where all my good stuff is at. Yeah. But upstairs I have, a bottle of Seagram 7. I have a bottle of Bacardi White rum. I have a mm. bottle of uh, Gordon London Dry Gin. I've got a bottle of... Oh, gosh. What's the vodka that I have right now? Um, oh, I've just been using... Because, like, here in uh, Oregon, we have Rose City, which we have, is we have a... Rose City vodka. Rose City. And, and their vodka is cheap, but it's it's fine. Yeah, it's not like, it's not like gut rot. Good. We've got... Um, Crater Lake Vodka, which is actually made down in California, but Crater Lake Vodka is <laughs> also crazy, not right? terrible. Um, yeah. And then there's uh, Glacier. What? What's the Glacier? Oh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. There's well, a... there's there's the bottom of the bottom for vodka is HRD. No, it's not HRD. Uh, yeah, that's the bottom of the bottom. Uh, outside of Peach Schnapps, don't touch HRD. Jump, jump yeah. one, <laughs> jump one shelf up. Um, uh, for Amaretto, I'm a huge Amaretto fan. Do yeah. I go and, and spend the $40 for a fifth of Di Sirono? Hell no. Di Amore, $8. Yeah, yeah the exactly. Done. Oh, I, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but one time me and my wife, we were craving uh, Long Island iced teas, mm -hmm. right? This is gonna get some Long Island iced teas. And I'm like, well, what's, what's the absolute cheapest you can spend from scratch, like you had no, you had no ingredients before, but I don't know if it's yeah. on the show. And, and we we got like the absolute bottom of the bottom, and we didn't get we didn't get fifths, we got pints, so it was yeah. a little bit cheaper. Yeah, but we got the yeah. bottom yeah. of the oh, bottom, God, and I think we I think we ended up spending for every single ingredient from scratch, uh, including including the soda, was like twenty five bucks. Yeah. <sighs> And yeah, it wasn't great. 
but it wasn't bad either. I mean, the sum of all parts was definitely better than the individuals. Right. Like I would never drink any of those liquors by themselves straight, but mixed together as a Long Island iced tea, was it the best Long Island iced tea? Um, no. Over under how many of the bottles were either De Kuiper or Bowles? Uh, they were bowls. <laughs> well, no, I think because like the only one was bowls. Because like when it comes to Long Island iced tea, I think it's only triple sec that you need. Okay, because it's, it's it's uh, uh as far as like, liqueurs go, as right. the as the yeah, there's only one liqueur in there. Yeah, uh, all the rest it's like rum, vodka. Uh, what what is that? Long Island iced tea. I forget the recipe. Yeah, the I, I'm I'm drawn. There's like six liquors, and that's all it is. Yeah, there's a lot. There's um, a long. There's a lot of them. Yeah, but I believe the only liqueur is triple sec. Okay, if I remember. gotcha. Uh, let me see. Okay, we got uh, vodka, white rum, silver tequila, gin, triple sec, simple syrup, uh, lemon juice, freshly squeezed, cola. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, Smirnoff equals utility vodka. I like Smirnoff. If I'm buying. Um, so I, I do bartending two or three times a year for family events, um, where we'll do Super Bowl and New Year's and usually like one other party where we're like, we want a full bar with cocktails and, you know, make us some things that we've never had before. I love doing events like that just for the family, not a professional, not getting paid. Um, but, uh, if I'm doing a vodka centric one, so usually I'll, I'll, I'll spend some money and get Mm. a better like main spirit. So either a vodka or a nicer whiskey or something like that. And hey, we're doing, hey, it's a taco event. So I'm going to do a nicer tequila. And so we'll, we'll do some tequila based cocktails Mm -hmm. and I'll spring for Jose gold or, you know, something like that. Um, But, uh, but usually it's just my, my house liquors that I've developed over so many years. Mm -hmm. Um, When I'm doing vodka, I usually will go for the Smirnoff triple distilled. It's their red label. Yeah. Um, And that... For under, I think it's like eighteen dollars a fifth is mm-hmm. one of the best neutral vodkas that you can get. Mm-hmm. Usually, Smirnoff ends up with a taste, regardless of whether they're trying to flavor it or not. Right. And yeah. but if you get their triple distilled, it's a fantastic mm. vodka. Mm. Now, have you have you ever tried the experiment where you get like a Brita filter, mm-hmm. and then you pour your vodka through that? Me and my friend did that. And well, we now I've just wasted a Brita filter, which cost me yeah, like $9 I know, that's true. on its own. I know, I know. It seems two shelves. Right, no. It's, it's vodka. It's a, you shouldn't be spending it's more an than $30 absolute, anyway. It's an absolute <laughs> ridiculous notion because you, you're the Brita filter. You're going to ruin it because you're pouring vodka through it. And it it takes forever, actually. Yeah. Oh, it takes yeah. forever to go, go through the filter. You ever but tried we were just 750 mil of a thicker than water liquid through a Brita yeah, filter? Yeah. We had we had a weekend to just blow, and we're like, well, let's try this out. Let's let's get a control. Let's get some cheap stuff. Yeah. Let's let's do some taste testing, some blind taste testing with other people. And it it's actually true. It does work. It does make the vodka taste better. You can get cheap gut rot vodka. Yeah. Pass it through a charcoal filter a couple times, and it will taste like high end vodka. But yeah, you kind of spoiled the thing. It's like. But the Brita filter costs like nine bucks. Right. Why don't you spend yeah. that extra nine bucks and get that? Um, get the better stuff. My my one alternative on the vodka, is, and this is actually what I have upstairs right now, is New Amsterdam. And sometimes I will do New Amsterdam yeah, for, for both vodka and for gin. That's uh, what I like. That's what I like yeah. for my base gin is is New Amsterdam. Yeah. So, if I were to do a high end, I like I like a good Hendrix. Hendrix is is Hendrix is fantastic. Um, especially, gosh, what is that? Uh, the new moon, Hendrix. Yes, the new one that they oh, have. That's so yes. good. 
It is super good. Oh. <laughs> but now we're getting into uh, like forty dollars territory. <laughs> yes, no, I know we are. But holy crap, that bottle is delicious. It is. It's um, and that's and that's one of the gins that you can lunar. sip straight. Lunar. Yeah, Sorry. lunar. Yeah. It's it's on my shelf right there. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that you can you can sip straight. Yeah, that one's just really delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I've got some good stuff up there. <laughs> <laughs> the good stuff in my shelf does not last long <laughs> so yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah. uh speaking of lo- not lasting long this deal probably won't last long oh, you can of now not. buy a very infamous famous infamous uh prop yeah and and me as a as a lover of movie props um i i am very much like man in 25 years, I want to be Adam Savage. Like, like when when I grow up, I want to be Adam Savage. Yeah. Um, and uh, he loves collecting or recreating movie props. And this mm-hmm. is probably one of the most famous from this particular TV series. Good luck creating it, recreating and, it, though. <laughs> I'm sure there are still pictures that you can get. There this are is... reference photos. This is this is one that kind of dovetails into like there's like an Overton window of movie props and and OnlyFans stars. But there's also this kind of like this kind of like a, a Venn diagram. There's, there's also like a, the, the, middle the, the the cosplay people want to get into. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like this this could totally be like a trifecta for someone's collection of movie yeah. props, cosplay ability, as well as you know TV nostalgia. Of course. Um, this appeared in the pilot episode for Breaking Bad and then some subsequent flashbacks. Uh, uh-huh. And I'm talking, of course, about Walter White's, mm-hmm. Heisenberg's briefs. Yep. Uh, from the pilot episode. Uh, you can now buy the briefs that that <laughs> Brian Cranston wore <laughs> in this show, in this yep. scene, from Prop Store... Starting price of twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Uh yeah. and actually They're... current bid is at fifty five hundred. Yeah, fifty five hundred dollar for a pair of tidy whities <laughs> But it had Brian Cranston's junk in it. So That's right. I mean, what more know? reason do you need? Exactly. I mean, yes, there's there's some there's some uh you know, some OnlyFans creators that, that they make good money selling stuff i mean but if, this is if, this one takes the cake this one really i mean if girls bath water why can't i sell my briefs mm-hmm. that's what i would all you have to do is make meth on camera i will you open can sell up your underwear at twelve dollars and fifty cents now they're not tidy whities they're boxer briefs yeah. uh but i will start the bidding at literally 10 or one percent of what uh <laughs> what the walter white brief started at i will start the bidding at twelve dollars and fifty cents there we go ladies and gentlemen uh it's just it's just gonna go up from there it's it's an investment it's it's a better investment than nfts totally yeah yeah absolutely it's only gonna go up in value so our experts notes on walter white's briefs uh walter white as played by brian cranston's underwear from vince gilligan's crime thriller series breaking bad white wore his iconic tidy waddies throughout the series starting when he first began cooking crystal meth with jesse pinkman also played by aaron paul in the pilot episode matching underwear also appeared in his closet throughout the series this pair of men's cotton uh, and polyester briefs, size 40 inches, 
Features a wide elastic waistband with blue and golden rod details through the elastically though the elasticity is largely lost from wear and age. They also exhibit staining along the back. The estimate that's, was only $5,000 at top. That's where the $5,000 come from, the staining from the back. They that's, estimated these would bring $5,000. They're at $5,500 with 11 and a half days left. Honestly, honestly, it's not staining from the back. It's racing stripe. Right. It's a racing stripe is what it is. Right. <laughs> Yeah. This uh one this is this is this is I remember as uh as a as a young lad going to uh the Smithsonian in Washington DC and seeing Fonzie's jacket in the window. And I, right. I cannot wait to take my Similar son to the Smithsonian and yeah, I can't wait to take my son <laughs> to the Smithsonian and say those are those are Walter White's tidy whities. Those are Walter like, White's tidy whities and his that's a, that's a that's a piece of Americana right, right. there, my son. Look, I, rebel, I don't necessarily want the tidy whities in my collection, but if that green apron came up for sale, like I'd consider it. Yeah, you know the plastic one is. Yeah. Good. You know they have the they have the whole like um, you know, redoing of like the 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 cosplaying of the vehicles. They'll have the Jurassic Park Jeep. Yeah. They'll do the Mystery Machine. I'm waiting. I'm waiting the for Winnebago. the. Uh, I want the Winnebago. <laughs> Coming up. Which one? They got like both. They got them. like. Both, Both of the yeah, Eagle they got Five. The, they got the smoke coming out the side. You know, they're cooking meth in Both there. Both the Eagle Five <laughs> and the Walter White Heisenberg Special. Mm -hmm. I want both Winnebago's. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ah. ah. Name, name a more iconic moment on television than... Walter White standing in his underwear with the apron, with the revolver, pointing down the sirens that are inevitably coming for his, his, you know, fateful arrest, only oh, to have it be from the fire that he started three miles south. <laughs> uh, and the fire trucks just passing by and, and, and whatnot. Recently? No. I, I, uh... That is such an iconic opener it is. for a show. And holy no, it's, crap, it's, it only got better from there and then left us at the very best moment. Like Yeah. It's it's one of those shows that I usually give uh, TV shows at least 3 episodes to get me hooked in. If it can't get me hooked into like if it can't get me hooked in with 3 episodes then no. Yeah. It. Uh I'll 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 may re look if it's, you know, cuz to be fair, hey, if I didn't if I gave just Star Trek The Next Generation three episodes, I probably would have hated it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yes, I will go back and look if it, yeah, if it gets popular. And I was like, okay, maybe I got to go back and revisit it. Yeah, see, I, I, right? I didn't have the opportunity to start TNG season one. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I very much remember watching TNG as a very young person uh, growing up. And so I didn't have to start at, at season one at all. Right. You got, um, you got to be able to watch a lot of it. I got to ease to into it. I do remember yeah. vividly watching seasons six and seven on mm. TV. Mm. Um, and then even reruns after that and whatnot. And, yeah. and uh, really, I, I I came into watching DS9 starting at the pilot and moving forward as far as like mm. my Star Trek kind, yeah. of kind of thing. Which is why I have the soft spot for DS9 that I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... DS9 over TNG, if you give me three episodes, oh boy, I'm tapping out at TNG at like 
28 minutes in. Like, yeah, no, no, it's not through. It's not great. I, okay. Cause yes, obviously, yes, we've talked about this. I'm a little bit older than you, but I remember watching, uh, cause I, I was a big fan, uh, cause my, my dad showed us all the original Star Trek episodes mm-hmm. and I was a big fan of Star Trek. And when, you know, TNG came out, yes, I was a lot younger at the time, but we were all excited to go watch it. And I remember watching the very first episode and just coming back going, what the hell is that? Right. <laughs> That's, that is nothing like the original track. Right. What are these characters? What are they doing? Um, and yes, I still plotted along because there wasn't much sci-fi on TV at the time. I right. mean, there really wasn't. So you're kind of like dragged along regardless, but it did get a lot better. I mean, a lot better. Mm-hmm. And by the third season of Star Trek, the next generation where they were really getting their stride. Right. It was, it was, it was great TV, honestly. Yes. And if, and if you watch the documentaries behind it, you kind of know why. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, this this but but Breaking Bad was one of the very few series I was instantly hooked with just one episode. Right, one episode, and I'm like, I'm there. It, it I'm, didn't even I'm in the world. The one full episode, like like 20 minutes into the pilot, I was like, I'm all in. Like I nope. I will ride or die. I will watch this to the end. And uh, very few. I, I I came very late to it. Like I didn't start oh. watching Breaking Bad until probably season four was was coming yeah. out, and. Uh, um, and so I was always years behind and, and I know there's only like six to 10 episodes per season, but I have three kids under 10. What do you want from me? Yeah. What do you get? <laughs> yeah, I know uh, like the, I, the struggle, the struggle to get together. Well, I watch TV at a certain pace. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to starting Andor soon. Oh um, yeah. No, I finished Andor's actually pretty good. I, and uh, I, I did watch Obi-Wan, but I knew it was only going to be six episodes. So I went, I can, I can dedicate I can that. six yeah. days out of the next six weeks and I can watch Obi-Wan and, and I'll be good. I okay. did make it through Mandalorian. Finally, but not until Mandalorian had already ended season two did I finally start watching Mandalorian. And, oh, okay. and so I was very late to that party. Um, I did watch, again, Book of Boba Fett was only six episodes. I got to watch all six of those right in a row. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's um, easy, yeah. Right. But Breaking Bad, I started watching, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm hooked. And so I'm I'm trying like mad to avoid any kind of spoilers, any kind right. of online discourse, you know, avoid everything like the plague. I had on Twitter and on Reddit both blacklists for anything related to Just Walter spoilers. White, Jesse Pinkman, yeah. you know, any kind of spoiler that could ever go. Yeah. Um, I remember vividly the day that the series finality finale aired, and yeah. uh, and the next morning. I woke up going, I cannot listen to the radio. I cannot get on Reddit, <laughs> Twitter, anything. There's going to be memes. Oh, no. There's going to be outrage. No. There's going to be opinions. I can't do it. And no. I, I drove to work that morning, and I usually listen to talk radio. Uh, it was yeah. sports talk radio, but still, it's going to come up. Yeah, yeah. They, and, yeah, uh, it's just pop, pop culture. Right, so it's exactly. And, and, and I remember driving to work that morning going, I'm just going to put on the local jazz station, and, yeah. and I'm going to drive to work that way. And uh, that worked out. And then the entire day, I didn't log into Twitter or Facebook right. or Insta or anything, any kind of social media. I avoided everything. Like, And I went, if I can make it through day one, it won't be spoiled for me. And that was my whole goal. Yeah. And so I made it through the entire workday. I walk out to my car, 4.30 in the afternoon, and uh, sit down. And I went, I made it. I, yeah. I, I didn't get spoiled. 
awesome. Like, and I, I'm still in like season three at this point. Right. And, uh, and I went, I didn't get spoiled. That's amazing. And I turn on my car and sports radio comes on the air. And the very first thing I hear out of the radio station is, I told you he was going to die. <laughs> Already spoiled it for you. Yeah. No, this is the, I the breaking that grudge like six years later. Breaking bad. There's there's there was a few times I used to I used to have like a lot of rituals. Uh if I got really into a show, I used to have like a lot of rituals and uh like towards the end of Sopranos, I used to make myself a big plate of spaghetti and then eat that while I was like watching <laughs> Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cup of ghoul, you know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, breaking breaking bad. So with breaking bad, I actually for the finale of that, I, I made some breaking bad uh themed drinks. Nice. It was like some blue blue vodka martini, and I made some like uh uh blue uh looked like the blue meth. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I used it, crushed it, and I put it on the rim of the glass and everything um, like that. Down underneath my bar. I mm-hmm. have a bag of light blue rock candy. There you go. Yeah, it was it was basically yeah. homemade rock candy yeah. is what I did. Yep. So I, I, do, I do have a bag of rock candy uh, that I keep on hand. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I and that was all that got spoiled for me was yeah. was that he died. But I mean, a lot of people predicted it anyway. And, I mean, and they did. It was. Yeah. And I wish they still would have left it up to interpretation. I wish yeah. like maybe he crawled away. Like, well, like, that was there, that there's... was the whole ending. That was the whole ending of Sopranos, right? And and they yeah, completely left it up to interpretation because it just fades to black. In, in yeah, it just goes to black, and yeah. you don't hear a gunshot. You you, you know you he's sneaking anything. up on him, and then it just goes executive producer Jerry Bruckheimer, and you're yeah, like, yeah, 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 mother. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like what the yeah. And I think there was a I think there was an article that came out that said that yes, he died or something like that. And mm-hmm. That was that was it. Um. But yeah, it was is at the time it was just like it was up to the audience's interpretation of right. what it was. Right. And it did. It pissed off a lot of people because they were just like, where's the conclusion? Where's right. where's the satisfaction? Where's the conclusion? payoff? There is no payoff. Yeah. Everyone lost. It's that's and reason. to be fair, it is very hard to do a satisfactory conclusion to a series, especially a super popular series. I, I can't think of a single series that came out where it was universally loved, and then when it ended, it was universally still loved, uh, the finale. Um, I will say maybe, Breaking maybe, Bad maybe. is probably one of the only it's ones. It's pretty close. Uh, maybe um, MASH. MASH might be MASH, one. MASH, probably, right? Is, is, is I, one, I mean, because it's comedy, but yeah. But you're only 35 years between those. Yeah, I know. There's not that many. <laughs> Name the next like, one down in line. Like, um, you know, like we look at, we look at TNG. Like, yeah. let, let, let's keep this to, like, within the Star Trek realm, okay? Uh, yeah. Obviously, Picard, season three, final season of Picard, mm-hmm. reunion mm-hmm. of TNG cast, yep. Yep. airs tonight. And uh, I'll be watching those. Like, trust me, I've got the next 10 Wednesdays mapped out. Um, <laughs> actually, it's Thursdays. So th- yeah. we, we have a Thursdays, no spoiler yeah. rule for 24 hours on my yeah. Discord channel within our TV yeah. thing. If you spoil TNG for me or, or Picard well, or any new Star Trek, Instant ban. There, there's been an inkling. I saw that on the on the Discord of a potential watch party for Picard, at least for mm-hmm. the first episode, which I thought was a good idea. It would be kind yeah. of fun. I don't know how we would facilitate that. But. Um, so I, my wife and I have a ritual of mm-hmm. um, uh, 
normally Sundays are our date nights and Sundays yeah. recently have been drinking beer and playing Wii sports. And it's been an amazing <laughs> time. Hey, that's still fun. It's right? still fun. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the kids get involved in everything. Right. Uh, so, well, this is after the kids go to bed. So we'll put the oh, kids okay. to bed right, right, right. at like eight o'clock on Sunday night. It's like, you've got school in the morning, sweet dreams. And then go we'll to go bed. upstairs and get drunk and play Wii bowling. It's, it's hey, a great time. That's... <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, for TV shows, we have a ritual that Thursday is my slower day because it's the day yep. after Talking Heads. It's the day right. that I'm usually not quite as productive. And so on Thursday nights, after the kids go to bed, we'll watch whatever shows we want. And yep. during February and on, it's been Picard. It's been Star Trek. Mm -hmm. It's been Star Trek yep. of some kind, whether it's Lower Decks, whether it's Picard, mm -hmm. whether it's Strange New Worlds. Thursday mm -hmm. has been our watch day. And... Uh, so tomorrow I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch season Picard. three, episode one, Picard at yeah. eight o'clock. And yep. like, and what I do it's is I be. make myself an old fashioned and I sit down and I go, entertain me. Ah, Here we go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I will say I've been an adamant defender of Picard. I love what they've done with Star Trek Picard. Um, mm, uh, I am not, but I, I always, I always find that. They start out really good, like very interesting stories, mm -hmm. very interesting concepts, and then it just starts diving into crap. It yeah. just it gets it, by the end of just I'm like I'm hating it and I can't I, watch it. I, I, I heard say, that this one's better. I, I I'm still giving every single season a chance. Right. Uh, I, I, now, what did you think of season two? Because I thought of season one that it started out incredibly strong. Like episodes one yeah. and two were phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Episodes three and four I could have done without entirely. Yeah. Like. You didn't add anything to the story. I didn't care that much about the characters you were trying to develop. And so their development mm. made no difference to me. Um, right. You didn't make me care about them before. And in reintroducing them and giving them an origin story is not going to make me care about them now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, they, they did a lot of that, it, yeah. It was very much of a... Uh, goon squad or uh, suicide squad. Like suicide squad, yeah. Kind of thing yeah. where it's like... Who, Throw who a bunch of characters at the wall and see what sticks. Who the type of is thing. Elnor and why should I care? Yeah. Oh, apparently yeah, exactly. he has this connection to Picard that we never knew about. Cool. I know Picard and he likes swords, so sell me on it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, season one, it's like I could do without some of the episodes, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, overall, it told a good story. And it gave us the send-off that we never got for data. Spoiler alert, sorry. Yeah. Um yeah. and that final scene with Data is one of the best scenes I have ever seen in any. Star that was Trek that that scene was pretty decent with with Data, and it and it had like it was the conclusion to Data's story. It was the conclusion to Data. Human, and what's the last thing that you do after becoming human? You die. Mm -hmm. That's part of humanity, and it, it, it it's why it's a circle. It's why everything works, and why we strive so hard to do the things that we do is so eventually we can die and I, have peace. And I think I think because uh, I think Brent Spinner was just done playing Data because he kept showing up in season after season. I think he still shows up in the third he's, season he's too. Still in third he's season. not Data. He's, he's not Data. Right. He's yeah, yeah. So Man, it's not the, like I think he was. I think line on the Soong family. Holy crap! Do they have some strong? <laughs> There's some strong traits. genes, yes, right. because they all look the same. Right. Uh, um, I think he was just done with like I don't want to do the data makeup anymore. I'm done with that. Well, just... <laughs> well, number one, they killed him in in Nemesis. Like yes. Data died. Um, yes. But I I love what they did with the data character at the end of season one. Where, where mm. they gave him a proper finale and, and gave right. him, like, you know, 
yeah, sacrificing yourself to save the crew, yeah, that's very humanitarian of you. Yeah, but they did that in Star Trek 2 right, already. Right, With exactly. Spock. Yeah, Spock did the it's same nothing, thing, but, yeah, but we didn't get thing. to say goodbye. And getting to see Data as Data one last time, even yeah. if it is, you know, in Picard's own brain, right. I thought it was a phenomenal send-off. Um, yeah. could I have done without some of the story with, with Raffi and her estranged son? Yes. Which never they, came up again, came ever up again. again. Right. <laughs> so there were, there were definitely some, some stretch moments in season one yeah. that I could have done yeah, yeah, without. Yeah. Season two, I thought overall. It was, it was right, a right, little right. bit better. It was, it was a little bit better. Um, Sending it did have a more interesting John premise. Delancey as Q with a you're going to die and yeah, you don't have uh, a friend and you they, need meaning to your life. And I'm that meaning as Picard and you're effing with me, but you're effing with me in only the way that a friend would F with someone else by sending him back in time and going, now you got to fix this shit. And yes, at the beginning, like I said, that, that was the beginning of the premise right. of, of the, of the thing, but then it went to their and traveling into the past and then they had a bunch of intermixing stories that meant nothing with the whole plot and that was can that, i just say holy quite a bit. crap did out Al, did uh god allison gosh what's her name uh gerardi uh yeah. allison pill allison pills yeah. um yeah. holy crap did she nail the ever loving f out of gerardi okay. as a character uh okay so yes um, but have you seen a lot of Allison Pills in other things? I have not. She kind of plays the same character actually in a lot of stuff. I don't. I don't care. Um, there was. What was I'm not. The... I'm not judging her performance in Picard. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not in either. I'm not either. Summer Night's Dream on a Boston play. Like... I'm not. I'm not either. Um, what was the one? There was the one that was that was really good. It ha also had Nick Offerman. It was a sci-fi AI type of thing, and also had Allison Pill in it. Oh right, 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 right. Um. um but she basically played the same type of character, kind of like this super smart, straightforward, um, all like non-emotional type character. That was excellent too, by the way. And I actually liked Allison Pill in that too. I thought it, right. was, it was very well done. Right. Um, um, but but like almost everything I see her in, she's the she, she plays the exact same character. Well, what's really <laughs> funny is everyone forgets. She killed her husband in season one. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, we'll forget that. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Murder isn't that bad in the future. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, devs. Someone but, just said it's devs. Yes, devs. Yeah, devs. Okay. Um, yeah. But I loved her character in season two. And I, I love some of the reaffirmation of of Seven and the relationship with Rafi mm -hmm. and, and some of the other exploration they did of those characters and holy crap rios i want to see an entire series about rios but we can't anymore because yeah. he uh he stayed. he got he got drunk on tequila and shanked at age <laughs> like 78 yeah but holy crap no i like some I, of his exploits in the last 40 years like, i do like rios as a character like, i thought he was i thought he was he was an untapped potential i really did but yeah. that's kind of what a great story is filled with is like, I wish they would have done more with this character, yeah. but what he gave us was still redeeming. And well, I think that's the thing because like, if you look at the Star Trek next generation stuff, we had, you know, 22 episodes 
for us to love the characters, right? Mm-hmm. To, to get to know the characters. And they typically had whole episodes focused on one particular character. Yeah. They didn't have that here. Nope. Uh, they still had it. They still had an hour episode, but they were all, but we only had like what? Eight episodes per season about that. Eight or nine, 10, 10, 10. 10, 10. Yeah. So basically half. And they were trying to tell an overarching story where all the old next generation and well, Deep Space Nine had some overarching stories, but for the most part, they were still pretty episodic. Right, right. So you yeah, got to even, you even got to, during that that heyday yeah. of of season four through six, you were able they, to they focus took time out and went like Bashir's dealing with his parents. Right. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> so you got to you were able to to, to focus on one Jemadar particular character. Come through the wormhole. And we're at war with the Cardassians right, right now, and holy crap, there might be a changeling on the station. But no. Well, that was let's deal that was with the my thing. Parents and my fear of success. The the definition of a filler because like you you know there's like filler episodes like these these. these these uh overarching stories they definitely have filler episodes where the main story doesn't really march along that much but they have something that happens in between run along Whereas, home like, now Steve. yeah the, the episodic home. the episodic ones you were able to focus more on characters and because you had more Alamore, episodes count to four Alamore, <laughs> then three more <laughs> pillars they have I, as, I don't know as early as episode five yes exactly um but yeah, no, because of the production schedule and because of the episodic nature of Star Trek, it didn't do Picard any favors to only have 10 episodes and yeah. not be able to fully explore the characters, but still attempt yeah. to explore the characters the way they did right. in previous series because it's a different form of medium now. Right. Um, and, and I actually have been enjoying uh, Strange New Worlds better. Strange New Worlds. Because it's, it's back to the old formula. Yes. And... Um, I, I have some gripes about it, but it's, it's, I liked it way better. <laughs> I have so few gripes about strange new worlds. It makes me question my own identity as a Star Trek fan. Um, it's, it's, it's very minor. The gripe I have about strange new worlds is um, okay. This is supposed to, this is supposed to take place at a time before uh, the, the original series or mm-hmm. right? our, our Pretty close to parallel. We we very, are very we are still pre original series, but yes. it is still canon that Captain Pike right. was captain yes. of the Enterprise of the before Enterprise James before. T. Kirk took over. We I, we've already I, met Kirk's brother, uh, mm-hmm. who's a lieutenant serving on the Enterprise, yeah. um, which was also canon in original yes. series. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We're starting to see some other things that develop. I mean, obviously, Uhura was a cadet and, Uhura, and a gifted yeah. one. Um, and I have no problem with that. That's great. Right. Uh, we see Spock as a science officer on there mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. well, not, not the first officer. And, and yeah. all of this is canon. All of this has been explored before. Yeah. But I love, love the fact that they went back to pure episodic. Yeah. Yes, there's kind of an overarching story with Strange New Worlds, yeah. but holy crap, they made me care about every single character in a way that hasn't been done since Voyager. Yeah, yeah. the the only the only the only gripe I have usually about it is just how they portray the Federation. Because like even if you go back to the original series, um, they were very uh, militaristic and stoic in their in their presentation of how right. they. Um, present problems. It wasn't until the newer Trek that they were, and I, I guess I want to even maybe say J.J. Abrams was probably the person the person who probably ruined this, is they made it more of a joke, more of like everybody's joking and, and kind of palling around and not it, not as serious Kurt going about what's pew, happening. Pew during the Kobayashi Maru. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, because the, the reason the reason why the, Kirk was such an enduring character is because yes, he he bent the rules. Right. But when when it came to brass tacks, he was serious. Right. Right. Um, uh, but these other characters, they're kind of like very jokey, don't take things serious type of a things, which is not very what I call Star Trekky. But yeah, it's it's a minor gripe. It it, it really is. I I will say. I find on Discovery when they crack a joke to be uh, immersion breaking. When they did it on Strange New Worlds, I found it to be endearing. And what I mean okay. by that is mm -hmm. the way in which the jokes were set on camera, the mm -hmm. person who said them, what is the situation that you're facing right now? Right. Um, you know, because you have... You have these amazing characters, um, like uh, so. Obviously, you've got Captain Pike, who mm -hmm. jokes when there needs to be a joke said. Yeah. Um, you know, like like Romulan's approaching, and he goes, "Who who rolled out the welcome wagon?" You know, like yeah. like like he's doing things like that. And then it's like, okay, let's get more information. Okay, now I need to put on Captain Face and and whatnot. Yeah. But you have, um, gosh, who's the helmsman? The uh, Ortegas. Yes. Um, you have her cracking jokes just as much as as Pike is cracking jokes, mm -hmm. but at just the right times. Because who doesn't see fifty Romulan warbirds in front of you and crack a joke to make to break the tension, but then go mm -hmm. straight into I'm the pilot of the goddamn Enterprise, and right. I'm going to make sure that we don't die today. And There's, and I and, and I and I get that, and, and I really do. But but if you look at Next Generation, they never crack jokes, almost never. It Shut was, up, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it that, that was funny because yeah, it was kind of a play on the audience because they really didn't the, like the, Wesley, the, but, but Picard was being serious about that. Right. But the other one was <laughs> not now, Mr. Worf. Yeah. It, it was Worf being shut down. If you've ever watched yeah. the YouTube uh, breakdown of how many times yeah. Worf suggested something and then it's yeah. like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, it was. Next generation was the humor from the situation, right. not them being um, silly. Which, which I love them taking into lower decks and having Drax do basically the same thing of like, yes, please let yeah. me fire phasers. I want to fire phasers. Let me target the warp yeah. core. No, well, no, that type no. of thing. Just, just hail them. Oh, come on. That type of thing makes perfect sense for lower decks. And that's why I like lower decks because it makes perfect sense for that. But again, with, with Enterprise and with Discovery, I found it to break all immersion with how campy it was. Yeah, it was so campy. But yeah, then the exactly. return to campiness, but in the right subtext with Lower yeah. Decks, made it so endearing. I, I, I just wish on uh, Strange New Worlds, they would just tone it down a little bit more. I think I would enjoy it a lot I, more. I, I'm still enjoying it. I still like it. I just I just think if they I, tone it down a little bit more, I would Did I would you like watch it. the episode where they're doing the, the Lower Decks challenge? Where, in, in Lower Decks? No, no, no. The Strange oh. New Worlds episode. Where I don't think, because I haven't finished Where it they are doing the checklist of things that you have to do to get your name on the leaderboard for the Lower Decks. No, I didn't see that one yet. You need to watch that episode okay. because it will completely change your tone. Because okay. what they do is there's a series of challenges that is presented by Lower Deckers mm -hmm. of things that you have to do on the Enterprise and not get caught and and you'll you'll get your name into the ranks kind of thing and mm -hmm. uh so it was things like uh 
commandeer a spacesuit and engrave your name on the hull. And didn't they do that? Didn't they do that in Lower Decks? They too? did that in Lower Decks too. But I was hold just going to say, I thought there was something that, that they had about that. Right, yeah. but hold on. Um, so uh, Una, number one, and mm -hmm. Sung, the uh, the security chief, yeah. they find out about this contest, and they're like, "We can be fun too. Who says we can't be fun?" Oh, okay, okay. And so they embark on this contest themselves and they start doing these things that the lower deckers have been doing and mm -hmm. so it's like uh you know playing pranks on the bridge crew and then yeah. engraving your name with a phaser on the whole of the enterprise and then doing yeah. this and then doing that and it is so funny from a from taking that stoic militarism of mm -hmm. of the original series and watching a couple characters break rank to to go out and do these things Mm -hmm. It's all the endearment you need to make you love those characters. See, I that's I think that's something more akin to the Orville, and I think it fits the Orville a lot better because that's when you there watch some of the this, when you watch this episode. Okay, you will I, I, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong; I still love it. I still think it's good. Right? It's it's like it's just a minor gripe. Uh, it's it's not the worst thing in the world, honestly. <laughs> it's still it's still much better than than like uh, Discovery, <laughs> way better than Discovery. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. I, I liked Ortegas as a character and I liked her on Expanse, Melissa Nevia. Yeah, Melissa yes. Nevia, um, phenomenal person. Um, there's right before, so th this is gonna get a little sad for a minute. Um, so Melissa Nevia, uh, she, uh, she plays Ortegas on Strange New Worlds. Um, she had been auditioning for role after role after role. And finally the role of Ortegas came up and she read for it and then got offered the role. And then her husband died. Um, yeah. And she has, she has a whole story posted on it and she has a whole basically history that you can read into about her reaching the opportunity of a lifetime with getting to play Ortegas mm -hmm. on Star Trek and getting a syndicated role essentially. And, you know, your next seven years, you're set, you have a job, you, you, you know, you're the only one who can cost you this job. And you finally arrived, you finally got the role that you've been looking for, for all of your life. And the love of your life passes away. Yeah. And, uh, she is such an amazing person to to watch to follow to listen to um she's on twitter she's on a couple of other social media platforms as well but um such a beautiful story uh of her kind of overcoming that and and well, that's that's uh, uh that's very similar to uh rick moranis yes who was who was extremely popular and uh, his popularity and his wife and his wife died. dies right and his wife died and, and right. he's like well i'm just gonna quit because i want to i want to be there for my kids yeah he 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 was um you know beat me seymour he did uh space balls he was he yep. was dark helmet he did honey i shrank the kids one and two yes and at the height of his popularity in the 90s he's making millions of dollars his wife passes away and he goes rather than just proceed on i'm just i i'm I just could, gonna quit I could live gonna... the rest of my life 10 times over and never run out of money 
Yeah. I'm going to be a good dad to my kids. Yeah. And he walks away. And and yeah. very similar story. Um, mm-hmm. but uh yeah, go go look up Melissa Navia and mm-hmm. uh and and read some of her story and read some of her interactions with some of the other Star Trek elite with uh mm-hmm. Kate Mulgrew. Um, mm. and, uh, of their first interaction together because yeah. she goes, I was super nervous to meet some of the other Star Trek crew of, uh, you know, cause you know, Strange New Worlds kind of came out of left field and it was all of a sudden a hit and, yeah. you know, some other Star Trek series haven't hit as hard and all of a sudden like, we're like up there with Voyager and Next Generation and DS9 and like, holy crap. And so she was slated to be on a panel with Kate Mulgrew and she goes, uh, she sat down with her and and they did the panel and, and everything else. And they finally got off stage. And the first thing Kate Mulgrew said to her was, tell me about Brian, mm. which was her husband. And, yeah. and, you know, like connect me, sell me on it. Like, go, like yeah. how, how cool was it knowing the love of your life kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it reading about Melissa made me love strange new worlds even more. Uh, and, and I've read a lot of the actor stories o- over the last mm. year or so that it's been out, but holy crap, I am such a Strange New Worlds fan. Not just for the for the show, but for the people who portray those actors yeah. portray those people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, it's unfortunately it's one of those series that both me and my wife enjoy. So I have to wait till when she's ready to watch it so I can watch it too. Thursday night. <laughs> yes. Well, no, we because the season's done, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so uh, we I stop at a certain new point. New episodes are due out in April, maybe May. Yeah. So you just you just got to find time to do it. Right. It's, it's one of those things because it's, it's usually that um, it's one of those times where my wife is just so tired and it's like, I just want to watch a half hour show. It's like, oh, right. we've got Strange New World. It's, 50 minutes. We right. could do that, right? We, we She's could like, do no, it. just, just give me a half hour show. Give me a half hour show. Yeah. So like I said, me and my wife, we set aside two nights a week. Thursday night, yeah. we will watch whatever TV show that we mm-hmm. want to watch. And mm-hmm. then Sunday nights is Drunk Wee Bowling. And <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> <Sunday> <laughs> drunk Wee Bowling. <laughs> I think my uh, wife wants to take me to real drunk bowling. <laughs> uh, so I, I fired or I, I set up one of my minis forums PCs, uh, the 5600U as an emulation system to run mm-hmm. on our main screen out, out in the living room mm-hmm. and got Dolphin set up and I bought a, a sensor bar. Sensor, yeah. Um, but I, I bought a sensor bar that natively will sync with Wiimotes. Oh, nice. Um, it's a super cool thing. It's like 15 or 20 bucks on Amazon. Cheap. But yeah, instead of like having to hack your Wiimotes and sync it with Bluetooth and deal with all the crap that comes with that, it has the protocol for remotes built into it. And so you sync it with that and it it lights up and it vibrates and it gives the sounds and everything. Like everything that has gone into the work of the Dolphin emulator comes to fruition with hooking oh, up really? a native sense of sensor bar with an actual remote. And it's and it's USB? It's USB. Single oh, USB man, that's port. perfect. Uh, nice. Kind of like the old Xbox 360 wireless adapter yeah. that you would buy yeah. where you could like uh-huh. hook up a native oh, Xbox yeah, yeah, yeah. 360 controller to your PC and have it work natively. Mm-hmm. This does the same thing, but for Wiimotes. Oh, and so I have it gives that you, down below. It, I kind of want to get that. And so it gives you the <laughs> sensor bar. It hooks, yeah. it, it hooks you up and it recognizes players one, two, three, four inside of Dolphin. Mm-hmm. You say, I'm connecting a real Wiimote and it goes, cool, player one. I got you. Let's go. Yeah, because I still have my Wiimotes. Right. I still have all, everything. Actually. Right, and the vibration works. The the sound coming through works. So if you're doing Wii Fit, you get the, oh, 
coming through the Wiimote and yeah. and the the sounds that you get on like Mario Kart and crap like that, they play oh, through that the Wiimote. Works. Yeah, cool. It's amazing. And so we're playing Wii at 4K ultra wide. Yeah, uh, that's to say, like that's the beauty like, of dolphin. But we've got like golf and bowling and all those things that we're playing on my 75 inch screen in the, in the living room, and it's amazing. Yeah, fun. Also recommended. I'll have to, go, have to get that high proof ciders. <laughs> Uh, well, that's right, because your wife wife is uh, she can only drink cider. Yeah, my wife has celiac yes. disease, and so yeah. no wheat, barley, or rye, which pains me yeah. to no end. It's but, more for you, honestly. Right, it's more more beer for me, uh, because yeah. who doesn't like a malted beverage? Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Two Town Cider, I don't know if you've tried this one, has the bad apple, which yes, is, I've had bad apple before, which is their ten and a half percent cider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They also make the super bad apple. I haven't had the super bad apple. The super bad apple is the same cider, but at twelve and a half percent. What now? How, what do they do? How do they do that? This got like a, a higher strain yeast it's or not more, more residual? No, I was gonna say it's probably not. It it's is probably like they use like at twelve and a half percent. So they probably just have a a, a more high high yield. It's a yeast super aggressive yeast. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. eats and lots it, and of it doesn't... sugar, poops out even more alcohol. And it's not like a drier cider, or is it drier? Or it's is it... not really dry. It's still okay. very sweet. So they probably put additional apple juice afterwards. I'm sure. Yeah, I, yeah. They may have like condensed their apple juice to get more sugar per per density. Yeah. And and then fermented it with a, a very aggressive yeast, or maybe like 50-50 well, champagne yeast, or something like that. That's what I used to do. I used to like when I made my own cider. It always. I didn't mind it because I like a dry cider. Right. But everybody else would be like, no, this is too dry. I don't really like it. This tastes more like a champagne, blah, right. blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's why I like it. Right. Uh, but then I started caking my cider. And then I'm like, well, I'll just add some apple concentrate to it, which sweetens it up. Right. You back sweeten it a little bit. And then, and then everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. Right. This is like just like great. Yeah. No, uh, the the super bad is is a master class in what a, a high proof cider should be. Okay. Um, it's, it's amazing. So two town cider house, they're out of Bend, Oregon. Uh, they make a super bad cider, uh, the super bad apple. It's and I 12 actually think and a half percent. They, they distribute pretty far and wide. Don't they, they do two towns. Yeah. Most of the West coast, you can find two towns cider. Yeah. Um, I believe two towns is an InBev now. I think so. They're everywhere. Two Towns Distribution. Uh, Two Towns Cider House. Yes, I'm over 21. <laughs> I think you're in the exact same place I'm at. Yep. Who distributes Two Towns Cider? Johnson Brothers to distribute Pacific Northwest Craft Cider. Are they still craft? Uh, that's what this says. Yeah, John, wherever Johnson, uh, yeah, Two Towns Cider House partners with Johnson Brothers. They are still craft. And sorry, Corvallis, not not Bend. Yeah. Um, no, Two Towns Cider House still independent with Johnson Brothers. Okay. And they're Johnson they, Brothers is headquartered in St. Paul, as Minnesota, far as Indiana and Illinois. So, yeah, yeah. So we can get Midwest, Midwest too. So yeah, there you go. I highly recommend Two Towns Ciders is is pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, so I've, I've been using the, uh, 
the Minis Forum 5600 UPC as an emulation mm-hmm. box, and holy crap, it'll do anything emulated. Yeah. Anything. It does Xbox 360, it does PS2, it does PS3, it does Wii, it does Wii U, it does anything Dolphin, any and anything before that, like, mm-hmm. with ease. And yeah. uh, so the, the other cool thing is... We still had all of our Wii controllers, and so we've got two Motion Plus and two standard Wii Motes. Mm. Uh, we also had the Wii Fit board, so oh. <laughs> we've been doing the Wii Fit on there as well. The Wii Fit so, board, yes. So like the ski slalom and crap like that, right. like yeah, yeah, it yeah. all works natively. It's amazing. Nice, that's great. And in full 4K, so that sounds really good. Highly recommended. I'll have to go look that up. Yeah. Anyway. This has been episode all right. 272 here on Talking Heads, Craft Computing. Thank you all so much for watching. Make sure to like yeah. this video if you liked it. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Follow me on Mastodon for daily shenanigans like this. Follow Steve. Oh, wait, you can't. No one follows nope. Steve. Can't find me. No one, uh, no worries, no worries, no way to <laughs> um, I'm used, a mystery. I, I used a Riker quote for you in the follow Steve uh, tonight. So see if you can figure out which episode that's from. <laughs> I don't think I can remember where that's from. Uh, so I said, follow Steve. You can't. Don't even try. <laughs> I don't remember where that's from. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, if you like this show but don't have quite the full two hours, make sure to subscribe to Craft Extra, where we will post clips of this show with full time stamps and everything else. Uh, and uh, I think that's going to about do it. Steve, yeah. good of the order? Anything else? Uh, yeah, no, I think I, I got uh, a pretty much free night. Uh, I'm going to go to the after party. I kind of feel like I want to play some games tonight. I don't know. That could be fun. That get could a, be fun. Get I a think little we might do something. going? Something. I, yeah. I want to do something. I think it sounds like fun. Okay. Hey, it doesn't look like the picture. Nope, it doesn't look like the picture. <laughs> oh, look at that cutie. So, little bits here. So, what's our new cat's name? Chaco. 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 Why, why that's right. Because he looks like a bow chalk. Yeah, because it looks like chalk. Yo. Yeah, of course. Hey, this makes sense. There? Can I? This is this is my other headphone. So, there you go. <laughs> Say hi. Hi. Good night. <laughs> Isn't it past your bedtime? Yeah. Yes. Mom, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and mom said, let me say a bullfly. Five more minutes. Okay. Yes, yes, I do that with my son all the time. Yeah. Well, well, you're you're done with three of those already. So why don't you yeah. go hop into bed and I'll be in for stories I mean, in a minute. I okay. Up here tonight. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, mom. Um, let me choose. My all right. Room. Well, I'll see you in a minute. Yeah. Okay. I'll get a bedtime so it's way up. Okay. Sounds good. Anyway, any any final super chats would be excellent. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Follow me on Mastodon for daily shenanigans like this or rants about random emails for ad integrations that I see. I uh, didn't expect <laughs> that to be a full segment on tonight's show, but there you go. It Treat everyone with respect and creators know your worth. Anyway, that's going to do it for episode 272. And as always, we will see you next week. See you guys. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. All right, no way.